first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Um, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Okay, so if you would, just uh, kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, which is a lot. Uh, I'm Smilesight and... I really like arena shooters, and I guess my main passion is movement specifically, mm-hmm. and Quake. So, like, before we dig into Quake, which I think is going to be, like, the vast majority of the conversation anyway, unless it goes on some weird tangent, which it always does, so I'll plan for that. Uh, this weekend, like, upcoming from when we're talking now is the second rocket jump zones in sports, uh, Xenotic tournament, which I'm not like a big, I've never been a big Xenotic guy, but you know, like paying customer approaches me and says, Hey, will you produce a stream? I'm like, you know, for arena FPS, I'm there, you know, hundred percent. So me and Gelmo son did last, the last week's one. And it was pretty good. Like we got a pretty decent for, for, especially for any arena shooter and especially for Xenotic, I thought, a good show out. And uh, I think that the one that's coming up, which will probably be over by the time this airs, but we'll talk about it as if it's still going to happen anyway. Um, Dodge Dodger. Is that his name? If I'm saying yep. that correctly, he was like, uh, I want to see smile Scythe in this next tournament. Do you have any interest at all in uh, showing up? Well, I kind of, I was talking about it with champ and I was like, well, no promises, but I, I kind of do wanna join the tournament, but it's like it's like in five days or something from now, and I really have to whip myself into shape first. So, like, I mean, I don't know how competitive you really are. Like, I really only know you from Quake mapping, you know, in in general, and, and some some of the music that I think you've posted, you know, over the. Past. I mean, I feel like I've been following you for a few years, like at least two years now, and yet. You're such an enigma. Like I've been, how, when did I first, I'm going to scroll through our messages. When did I first ask you to be on the podcast? And we're just now doing it. Like this must've been, uh, November of 2019 when we first, like, I was like, Hey, can you send me some of your music? <laughs> like, can I put it on the podcast? And then I think I was like, do you want to just be on? Cause I played the, when did the first map jam come out early 2020? Like kind of pre COVID. Uh, do you mean Smetch 1? Yeah. Or, yeah, I think it was around that time. And before that was the January Jump Jam, which is when I fell in love. I was like, this guy is... You, I'm sure there's a lot of fucking Quake maps out there that I've probably never heard of and never going to play. And all I'm, I'm not dump truck. I'm, I'm not that tuned in. But when I played that Jump Jam, because I was such a fan of JCR, 
and then I played your map, I fell in love immediately. I was like, this is like, this guy has to be featured in some way. This, that's still my favorite map that I've ever played of any game ever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means to you. I don't, I don't know if that has any, like, cause it's weird when you talk to different people who create things, some people are like, um, I don't know. I did that in like five minutes and uh, who gives a fuck and it's not a big deal. And you're, from what I can tell of your personality, just from the few interactions we've really had, you're really reserved and you don't like to brag, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of normal, like culturally from you guys. Like I, th- I feel like a lot of you finished map jam people uh, just don't like to be braggadocious, which is an admirable trait, but like you do have to acknowledge that you're all extremely talented and uniquely so. And you in particular being my favorite one, like I, I'm going to, if you're not going to fucking toot your own horn, I'm going to toot it for you. I think that you're like the best fucking map designer I've ever interacted with. Well, I think I definitely like to brag sometimes, but I've noticed that I, I have difficulties accepting compliments sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I just don't know how to react to it. Where does that come from? I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I'm just not very social, I guess, and I haven't really gotten used to dealing with compliments. I don't know. I don't know. Do you live alone? Like, do you, or is it like a hundred miles between you and the next house? Why are you so no, antisocial? Uh, no, it's nothing like that. I just, I'm not re- very good at communicating, <laughs> I guess. I mean, you've, you've been fine so far and every time that we've talked before, and you have to be at least a an agreeable enough communicator to participate in like, you know, a map jam or a community of any kind. And you're pretty, even if you're a man, of few words, you're someone that like everyone brings up. They're like, that guy kicks ass. So, I mean, take the compliment, dude, just, just accept that you're like good at what you do. You've worked at it for a long time. I I, I can take it, but I don't know how to react to it. Like that's the problem. So react to it. Like, uh, Thanks. That's all. Thanks. It's it's really <laughs> flattering to think that somebody wants me to be on a podcast. I just, I mean, I, I think you know pretty much what we do here. But when I when I or you know people that I'm close to find something interesting, you know, art of any kind, and especially you know, we deal with games here. I am more curious about like, where does the art come from and like what shapes the kind of person that makes that kind of art. And hopefully that resonates with other people. So like, uh, I guess where I'm starting here is like, you know, you're, you're a prominent enough member of the Xenotic community that like top level duelers want to see what you can do in a competition with them. So I guess if we're going to get in our time machine and kind of back it up a bit, like when did you become involved in arena shooters or, you know, first person shooters in the first place? And then we'll kind of work our way up to now. Okay. So I think the first arena shooter that I ever played was unreal tournament 99 Mm -hmm. somewhere around when it came out. And there's been a couple other games like quake three, quake world. And, it took me a really long time to realize that people are playing these games online. Like I was just playing with bots basically for a really long time. And even after realizing that people play online, it took me even longer to realize that there's actual communities 
where people are like talking talking to each other and like organizing tournaments and stuff like that so the ut99 were you playing this like when it came out yeah somewhere around that time all right and how how old are you these days right now i'm hard, 29 hard to tell with the beard i mean you, you could be like i'm 57 like i would be like okay he's 57 <laughs> i'm kidding but so like you know uh, what was the, cause I think you guys were like, Scandinavia was kind of early adopters of the internet in general, like having pretty, pretty decent connectivity and everything. So like, it's not, did you lack the means to find other communities or was it just like, you're not aware of it? Well, I got kind of both. Like I had, mm-hmm. I had computer when I was a kid, but like, I didn't have like, like I just didn't have the friends who would like inform me about stuff like that because yeah. like my friends were like skateboarders and you know people like that i uh i had a friend like that kind of took me to the next level so my best friend in the whole world to this day like i, I have two best friends that i've kept since high school and uh, not including my wife who is also my best friend but my best friend uh dylan deeg I remember there was like a me before I met him and a me after I met him. There was like the me that just consumed media or, you know, played games or whatever, just based on whatever was kind of fed to me. Like, you know, I played console stuff and like AAA shit and I didn't know any better or, or like whatever was available to me. And then when I met that guy, I was probably around like 15 or 16, somewhere around that age. And he just started making me think about things differently. Like, um, you know, when you go see a movie, do you pick it based on like the poster or like just, you know, it's the, that's what's showing right now. I'm going to go to the movies tonight. Or do you like do your research and think about like, is this worth my money? Like, is this worth my time? And he got me into like Quentin Tarantino films and like Resident Evil and like all of my favorite things now. Like that was the friend that made that happen. Was there a moment for you where that changed? Hmm. I think it was around somewhere between junior and mid school. Um, actually, it was around nine eleven. I, mm-hmm. I remember that we were like we were playing Quake Three on my friend's computer, and then like my friend's parents like they they didn't want us to play that game because th- there was like violence and stuff like that. So we kind of <laughs> had to be do that in secret and then because I didn't have that game myself Mm -hmm. and I thought that I I really want this game for myself so I went to my went to my own computer and I tried to look for how to download this game and then I I googled Quake and then I found Quake World by accident I I tried to look for Quake 3 and and then I was then I remembered because my earliest memory of the of Quake was actually like way before. I we were in this family party thing, and there were these older kids. They were upstairs playing Quake, and like it was like the scene there was like, do you know the music video Base Base Hunter Dota? Mm-hmm. 
it was exactly like that. Like they had their girlfriends there and like energy <laughs> drinks like everywhere and like and then there's this like huge moment they were playing deathmatch on the DM2 map mm -hmm. and I remember that my earliest memory is like a bunch of people just falling into that giant lava trap in the <laughs> middle area and like that's the that's basically the earliest memory I have of Quake and I think I was like I was probably like six or something back then. So like from from you were six years old? Six or eight. I'm not sure sure entirely. What? Either way, like fuck. I can't even imagine knowing how to navigate a computer when I was that age. Man, I was still outside like shooting BB guns and uh, no, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't play, playing like I was just like I I got lost at like found myself to that room and then there was like these people doing this weird thing with computers and I was just like looking. There was, when I was before, I don't know, 12 or 13, I, I wouldn't have been able to figure any of that stuff out. Like, there, I wouldn't have been able to even, you know, move a file from one place to another. <laughs> I was lucky if I could launch a flash game. But, but since you brought it up, as a as a mapper and as a and as a player how do you feel about dm2 now as opposed to then because it's still like a mainstay staple in the in the series and in the genre or at least for quake one quake world and i find that map to be you know divisive i'm curious like what's your take on it how do you feel about it? well from the point of view from like modern standards it's not like a very it's not very balanced map and there's like a lot of dead ends mm -hmm. and i think there's yeah there's like two red armors two mega healths and like people play that map on duel and we were actually just a while ago we played it with muscle and it's kind of weird you can just kind of like one guy is in the other side of the map he's hogging both red armor and Mega health, and then the other person person is on the other side. It's kind of weird, and then you then you just like meet at some part of the map, and the person who has the better aim basically wins. And it's like that's yeah. not how like modern maps play at all. So like I I entered the genre through Quake Three, and that was kind of like my understanding. Like this this is how arena shooters work, and and it wasn't until you know uh, maybe. A couple, you know, within the past few years since I've been doing the podcast, really, that I even looked at Quake World. I didn't even really understand what, that it was a thing. I had played Quake, but I didn't know anything about like online stuff. And from my perspective, like Quake, Quake One DM Two is like an awful, terrible map. Like it's it's just bad. But I get like I can put myself in the headspace of like you know when when Ed was designing it, it, it early uh, I think well, who was that was it not Amero American McGee one of those guys I probably sound like a jackass right now I'm supposed to be like some kind of expert on this shit but like yeah they I, made I, that doesn't ring bells to me either <laughs> who who cares somebody will correct us in the in the comments but yeah. regardless like 
I get why that map was cool at the time because it was fucking crazy. It was like, yeah, let's just throw everything we have in here and see what happens and make it way over the top. But it, as you said, it's totally unbalanced and it just, it's too big for a duel anyway. I mean, it still works pretty well, I think, for, you know, 2v2s or, you know, whatever. I think it's a great deathmatch map. Yeah, yeah. A big, big, a big hodgepodge of like people running around like crazy. It's, it's, there's plenty of room. There's lots of, uh, items and everything. You can fuck around with it. You can, you know, drown people in the lava lake and all that. It's, it's cool. It's just like by modern, standards like that map sucks whereas uh like tim willett's made dm6 to me dm6 still to this day one of the best dual maps ever designed and totally by accident from when i you know got i got the chance to actually ask him about it and he's like yeah i just drew a figure eight and like i fucked around i put armor over here make over there see what happens and i think it's still great I th- i'm actually surprised it's not been ported to more of the modern quake games so like you know like uh ztm dm3 Q technically for Blood Run, still a mainstay in the series all the way up to Quake Champions. Uh, yeah, Q3 DM6, which is Blood Covenant, I guess, in Quake Champions now. But th- these are still mainstays in the series, and uh, and I think those are both fantastic maps. I, I particularly like love Blood Run, though I, I know a lot of people have their own problems with it. But I, I fuck them. I don't care what they think. Yeah, I think the only <laughs> arena shooter that's embraced Dark Zone is Xenotic and Nexus. I think that's probably also because Nexus and Xenotic, they're kind of like, their origin is Quake World, basically. Right. Like they're mo- Quake World mods, originally. The dark places in general. And I, I actually enjoyed that. That was like a huge thing. Because as I said, I was never a fan at all of... Xenotic. I just not that like I didn't like it or anything. I just, just I wasn't part of that scene and I didn't have any reason to like really get into it because it's like a lot of things right now. It's just not what's it's not what's popping. And I hope that these these community tournaments that are being put on with you know a little bit of sponsorship and prize pools will bring more people to the table. But one of the things that sucked me in as I was watching this that tournament is like, well shit, man, they got DM six in here. Like this is awesome. And and I was I. I would have to like learn all the weapons and kind of like get to know the community a bit better, but like I could probably commentate on this shit. I know what I'm talking about. Cause as it stands like for like organ grinder, you know, they, they put up the, the casters, like who wants to cast this thing. Uh, and they put up the list of maps and the list of games and players. And, and I'm pretty exclusively like, I'll do doom two. I'll do quake world, anything else like fuck that shit. But if, if something like Xenonic were to pop up, I feel like, but based on the knowledge I've already accumulated, maybe I could, you know, Learn to enjoy it. Learn to love it. Yeah, I think so, it's uh, a bit of an no. acquired taste because, like, you have to really be into the idea of having alternative fire modes for weapons, and in yeah. general, the speed of it and like the freedom. Because, like, Xenotic is kind of like it has the pace of Clan Arena, but then it's like Clan Arena with pickup items and then like Unreal Tournament style alternative fire modes so how did you go from you know quake world you know as at six or eight however old you were we'll never know how did you go from there to like kind of exploring the rest of the genre and, and landing on xenotic as kind of your main multiplayer game well a lot of it was me basically 
visiting my friends and then playing different games on their computers. Like only game I had myself was Unreal Tournament 99 back then. Mm-hmm. And the games that I played mostly on my friends' computers were Quake 3. And no, wait, actually, I did have Quake World after that because, like, I, I tried to get Quake 3 for myself and then I ended up playing that. But yeah, it was like, hold on, let me try to recall. Uh, we'll so. wait. <laughs> it's no big deal. I think I think people get nervous about dead air, and I was like, it doesn't matter. I'll cut it out and post if I have to. But usually, it flows, man. It's just natural. Like, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to think, like, yeah, because like, I didn't really. I've never really stuck to just one game. Yeah, it's I kind of jumped all over the place and like played whatever I could at the time, and I think it was around somewhere in between junior and mid school when I kind of stabilized with Quake 3. I formed a clan called Wankers with my <laughs> best friend. And we were like, our gimmick was basically that we are just a bunch of wankers who like basically annoy people in servers. Like we, we played, we played like clan arena or like rocket arena equivalent mods. I don't, I don't remember what the... I don't know if that was actually Rocket Arena or... But it, it played similar to Clan Arena. And, like, what we did basically was we would find these spots in maps mm-hmm. where you could hide and it could be, like, some ledge somewhere up in the ceiling where we would rocket jump and then we would just camp there and then we would enjoy the reaction we would get from enemies and teammates alike. And like, what's what's always funny is you have some teammate who's like really serious, and like he dies early in the round, and then he like has to spect us when we're like just sitting somewhere, not being helpful at all. And it was really fun. So. Uh... I guess my first real entry into playing like online multiplayer games was just me me and my the same guy I mentioned earlier, Dylan. Uh this was like PS3 era and I was probably, you know, 15, 16, somewhere, you know, same same kind of age. And we would, you know, in his living room, we would take a, a TV and then we had his main TV like that was in the living room. You know, this is after, you know, his mom goes to bed. Uh happy Mother's Day, Janet, if you ever hear this. And <laughs> It, you know, and then we would convert the whole living room. We'd have like me on one side of the couch, him on the other side, and two TVs, and both of our PlayStations plugged up, and we would play CS:GO, which like I had no real experience. I didn't know any of the history of this stuff. I was just like, that was the game that was for whatever reason put on the fucking PlayStation Three, and we would do exactly what we we're talking about. We would just like join because it was all casual lobbies, unless you you know chose to be competitive, and we were definitely not. But you could like quit in the middle of the game and join the other team, which was a stupid idea. I don't know whose idea that was. <laughs> and and so we would like play for a while, and then uh, one of us would quit and join the other team. And, and this is the shitty troll. I probably banned somebody from doing this now. But like join the other team and then just like start. <laughs> 
kill team killing everybody <laughs> and then jump back to the other team and win. <laughs> and, and it's such a shitty thing to do, but like, I guess that's part of like the early thing that you enjoy about online multiplayer games in general is just like the freedom to kind of do what you want. And like any you said, as you said, you guys were a bunch of fucking wankers, quote unquote. Like what, what teenage boy isn't a piece of shit? Like I exactly. can't name one, never known one in my life. <laughs> and then, uh, so, so you're doing that kind of crap. And then, uh, where, where do you go from there? So you end up playing, you're playing quake, you're playing, uh, is this, this is still quake three era this point uh, i was kind of bouncing between quake 3 and quake world and then mm-hmm. quake live showed up okay so this is like the pre 2009 pre bethesda quake live or yeah i i guess i'm i'm not exactly sure about the history there but w- was it a web browser yeah it that was you're still playing? Web, yeah. okay okay I didn't before i got on steam that's what i'm saying yeah I didn't okay. catch the early beta run of the browser thing because I think that was like 2007 or something. Got on board when it was a public release. And then we basically, my best friend, we we came over and our first problem was that we couldn't, like when we tried to make our clan, the there was like a character limit to how many letters you can have on your clan. So wankers didn't fit. (laughs) Like you could only have like a five letter clan tag. So then we were like, maybe we should come up with a new, new clan. And then we just ran. I think my friend came up with the name and he was just like, let's just be lovers. And that didn't fit either. So then we had to <laughs> drop the S and then it was just lover. And that's kind of okay. that's kind of what I'm still I'm still using that clan tag in Xenotic. And I, I and there's like we have some I guess I'm the only one who's like from the Quake 3, Quake Live times that's still playing Xenotic. Like the, uh there's there's only one other guy that played with us in Quake Live, and he's called Nimbus, or like he has different names. Like I think Nimbus Taleb. Uh, I don't remember if he had other nicks, but yeah. And so you're playing multiplayer all this time. Like when did you open up a map editor and decide you wanted to make maps? Uh, that was actually, uh, so back to 2001, nine 11 mm-hmm. times, I was playing another game called Soldat, which is a, I don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> it's a, in German, it means soldier. It's okay. a 2d side scroll shooter. And it's it's kind of like the to me at least it's the quake of side scroll shooters like it's like quality wise and like how it feels mm-hmm. like it feels like a such a good game like how your mouse responds how the movement works and like there's a lot of like a lot of depth depth to it 
And that was the first game that I made maps for. And I I made like hundreds of maps for that. And they had they had like they had this sub game mode called Climb, which is kinda similar to Defrag. And that was basically my main passion there. And it, it's like I think that's kind of where I got my where my passion for like movement related stuff started and like kind of like precision jumpers platformer games like that's that's where my that's where that came from I guess but then a couple 10 years after later uh or was it like uh, 2015 Reflex Arena came out with yeah. their in-game map editor. That was the first time I ever made maps for any 3D game or like a arena shooter. And a couple years from that, I saw Dump Trucks uh, Trench Room t- tutorials. And that's that's Ever since then, I haven't been able to go back to Reflex map editor because it just feels like poop compared to <laughs> trench poop. Uh, but yeah, rest is history from there. So you mentioned earlier that your your like friends' parents were were not comfortable with you guys playing like violent video games. But uh, so you go home to your computer. Did, did your parents? just not give a fuck or like what was the difference no there? they didn't they didn't know they, <laughs> they, they only gave gave fuck about what kind of music i was listening to this, uh, i had the exact same experience so like i don't think my mom was technologically savvy enough to even like know what was going on with video games she's just like that's a thing he does but like she was my mom took me to the library. I told her I want to buy a book called Naked Lunch, which I don't know if you've ever read that, but William, William S. Burroughs. It's the most disgusting, not kid-friendly book in the whole world, but I knew I wanted to read it. She took me to a bookstore, bought it for me, handed it to me. She didn't read it, and she knew what the fuck it was. I read the book, but like she didn't want me to listen to Motley Crue until I was like 13 years old, which is her favorite band. That was like her number one favorite band ever. But she's like, oh, they talk about drugs and sex. And I don't know if he's ready for that. But I'm sitting here playing fucking GTA and <laughs> like reading, reading William Burroughs. And like this is, it made no sense. Um, but to give my mom credit, like, you know, this was at least for Alabama or right, the beginning of the internet age. Like the, it wasn't something that she could have been prepared for. So what, what what music were your parents trying to protect you from? Um, well, I was my favorite band when I was a kid was a band called Turmion Kätilät, which is a industrial metal band, kind of kind of like Finnish Rammstein. And I was they they basically also like their lyrics are like drugs, sex, violence, and like all the negativity from politics and you know stuff like yeah. that angry teenager and, shit and <laughs> yep and 
I remember this one time I was listening to to it on my earbuds, uh, like it was like ringing out loud, and I I guess I think we were driving driving and like my mom was asking like hey what's what's that you're listening to and then I, I i i back in my head i knew that she's not gonna like that i listen to tour me on Catilat. so then i just i told her that i'm listening to nightwish i love nightwish yeah because because <laughs> like it's also metal and like i yeah. can explain the distortion that way and like Ever since then, my mom has thought that I'm a huge fan of Nightwish because I was always listening to that, supposedly. So she just like wasn't going to do the investigation. So, so simultaneously, kind of secretly, you're you're playing violent video games. Like, how did you had that? Because you can't really like you jump up, cover the screen. Like, I'm watching a Nightwish music video. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Well, the good thing about Quake World was that it wasn't very gory, like for the time, I guess. But like, yeah, yeah like now, if, my... if, even if like somebody explodes, it's not like it's not very graphic explosion. Like it's just like, poof, and then you see like a couple polygons fly everywhere, and like, yeah, I guess you'd have to know what you were looking at to really understand what it is right so yeah it would just look like stupid to some but for you like for me at least i see that and i'm like oh that's chunks of flesh and blood that makes sense like yeah with quake 3 it was like more it was more obvious that it's supposed to be like blood and gibbs and like when you kill somebody the gibbs just fly in like a firework pattern kind of and yeah, that that's what we weren't allowed to play in my friend's house, right? Well, like other other than that, I haven't had any trouble with that in with my parents. Like so not then, not uh, even like any topics. Like it's not like it wasn't even brought up at any point. Like not like a war, like a doting parent warning or like nothing like that like it's it's kind of weird now that i think about it yeah so they kind of just respected your space a little bit like they didn't really get into like they weren't up your ass like trying to figure out what you were doing all the time or more yeah. free that's good yeah i think my mom i was my mom's first son so like she was a little too much on me but then like my younger brothers she just they could just do it. It actually pisses me off. Like they just do whatever the fuck they want all the time. I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, they're driving around in the middle of the night on a on a school night, and I'm just like, I, I would have never got away with this shit. You'd have killed me. And she's just like, Nah, you turned out okay. They'll be fine. You know, if they all <laughs> end up failures, at least we had one good son. But all my brothers are great. But uh, did, did you have siblings? Did you have like older and younger siblings? I have. Or? I have younger sister. Okay. She wasn't into any of this stuff? Uh, not really. Barbies and makeup? Or... Well, she likes to draw a lot. Like she's, okay. she's more into arts and stuff. I think that's her profession now, actually. Like she does some art commissions and stuff like that. I find it interesting, like... If you go to the Vatican, right? 
And I don't know. I've never been, but I've like I've seen enough and heard enough that like the the pictures and the shit, the shit that's drawn in places like that where they're coveted by everyone. Like this is way, way, way more graphic and gory than anything in these fucking video games, you know. Or I remember, uh, you know, the metal band Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, they would talk about that. They're like, uh, people have a problem with like what we do. Like, go to go to the Vatican and look at that stuff, and like tell me that we're the fucked up ones. Like that's. That stuff's so crazily intense, but, but because it's, you know, put the label art on it, right? Oh, this is art. And that makes it okay. But like, for some reason it was like hard for people to grasp that video games were also art. So like, if you see a violent video game, suddenly it's like, uh, oh, that's disgusting. It's corrupting the minds of our youth or whatever. But if it's like this accepted longstanding thing, that's been around for a thousand years. Like it's totally okay. Even if it just breaches everything that we, you know, are against or, you know, have qualms about in subject matter. And I'm actually like psychologically curious where, where that even comes from. Not that you could maybe answer that question unless you have a take on it, but. Well, I think I kind of get it. Cause like, like with video games, you're kind of doing the murdering yourself. Uh, like if that's not something you're used to, then I guess that can kind of come off as different than just like staring at a painting on a wall. But I don't know. I I can't think of a. I mean, obviously there are some pretty fucked up violent games out there, you know, like Hatred, and you know, I mean GTA to a certain extent, but like I can't imagine looking at that and not seeing the obvious like humor in it. I I mean, I guess I could put myself in the shoes of a total complete outsider and try to see it that way. And to some extent I can empathize with it. But to me, it's like, um, I can't not see that it's obviously satirical and stupid, like or postal, even the postal got so much shit back in the day. And it's like, yeah, but you can literally like uh, Vince Desi said this to me. He's like, but I let you pee on me in the game. You know, like, how could you think that I take this seriously? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird endeavor to go down, but I guess we should get, get back to you a bit more here. So, <laughs> so here you are, you're, you're, you're making maps now at this point for, for Quake and Trench Broom. And uh, so how, how, when did you, when did you crack open Trench Broom for the first time? Uh, I think it was 2018 or mm-hmm. 17. So two, three years ago. Yeah, I ha- I started working on a Arcane Dimensions map, which is still mm-hmm. not, it's still far away from being complete. And I'm not sure if I will ever complete it. We'll see. <laughs> and then at, at one point I was, I actually forgot who asked me to be part of the Smetch, Smetch 1 episode. But that was like my first ever like a uh, community project, and since then there's been JCR contacting me and asking if I want to make a map on his jump mod, and then of course Smetch Two, following with, following after Smetch One. Now, were you? Were you like hanging out in the Discord, like the Quake Mapping Discord at that time? Uh, yeah. Okay, so kind of already like you know at least showing off some of the stuff that you'd worked on. Had you published anything at that point? 
not yet. Only only screenshots. Okay. Why is it that you're 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 saying smedge, but everyone else is like so protective of it's it's not smedge, it's smay. Well, which... I'm just I'm just used to everyone's calling it smedge. So okay. What, is, what does it stand for again? It's like Swami uh, Mappers. What episode jam? Episode jam. Okay. Yeah. It's way simpler than I thought. I thought you were about to say a bunch of weird Finnish shit. I don't understand, but um, I like the fin- Finnish version of that. What we, what you said, and what I continued with. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Suomi mapperien episode yami. Yami. Okay, so it's a soft J in Finnish. I don't. I mean, I'm kind of familiar with like Nordic languages, but I understand that your like Finnish is kind of its own language tree. There, like different. So. I don't want to make too many assumptions. Well, it's kind of like like three words of that whole okay. thing is like landed from English, basically. Like we don't have our, I guess we don't have our own words for those. Mm-hmm. So it's it, which is kind of why it sounds English. Kind of. How old were you when you learned English? Um. Well, we do have it in school, but. Mm-hmm. I, I would give credit to to RuneScape for teaching me <laughs> English. Okay. Because, uh, like, you don't really learn learn anything in like you don't learn how to communicate in school in English because like it's not at that level. At yeah. least, at least, like junior middle school and like, well, I guess like further than that, it doesn't. Oh, I I don't know. I think you learn much better if you just like talk online and you know it's like like we we had a lot of like word memorizing stuff like yeah. we we had like these word tests where we would like learn a bunch of words and then they would like pick few of them and then we would like write what it's in english but like we didn't we don't have very good like uh teaching for like pronouncing things in my opinion at least not in the schools where i was at i i, I can't speak for everyone else i, I don't know it's, i know it's different for everyone but i only learn things when they're i only internalize information that is either like just interesting you know kind of like stuff we're talking about which because i care about you know what you do and or just arena shooters shooters in general that kind of thing like i I can internalize that information but if it's not directly pertinent to me to complete a task i don't really internalize it so with learning languages uh, because i i studied you know as a young adult linguistics pretty extensively and i started off i did french in school but i kind of had the same uh route that you had there were like, I don't, I'm not really like getting anything out of this. Like I, I learned how, like a few, fra- like I could say like, voulez-vous coucher avec moi, which is like, would you like to go to bed with me or, you know, whatever. Or like, excuse me, my teacher, like would, if you want to go to the bathroom, you have to ask in French. Like, and so like that, that was directly pertinent to me. I knew I had to do, be able to say that in order to do that. But just learning all the other shit just didn't make sense to me. But like, when you immerse yourself in a, in a culture like RuneScape is a perfect example. Like this is like, if you want to accomplish a task in a game, then you be, you better be able to understand what they're asking of you. And, and I think that's a, a big part of it. So, or was I going with that? I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is that 
when you when you have a reason to learn something, when you have like a like I want to be able to do X, Y, or Z, so I need to be able to understand that, it makes it a lot easier to learn. And I think like a lot of language teachers nowadays are kind of realizing that games are a great way to do that and are trying to internalize that a bit more. Do you guys have like a an equivalent of the Oregon Trail? Uh, I'm not sure what that is. Okay, so and and basically, at least when I was growing up, and probably a little bit before, even then, like the, the ten to twenty years before that, there's this game called the Oregon Trail, and it was a super simple game where it's just like you're in a wagon and you're crossing the United States to Oregon, which is on the west coast, right near like Washington and California, and they would use that game to, to kind of like, not that they were teaching us English, like most kids spoke English, but like to teach you, you know, English class, like your language, language class. And, uh, and it was really popular in schools because it wasn't too horrible, I guess. I mean, like you get dysentery and shit yourself to death, but it it just said dysentery and nobody knew what that meant anyway. (laughs) And, and it was always used that way. And a lot of the games that we would play in school were like, you know, type out these words and then it will make something happen on the screen. And that's how you would learn how to like form sentence structures and and things like that. And I'm, I have to imagine that whatever kids have nowadays is at least that good, if not way better for, for learning whatever language that they're attempting to do. But yeah, I just, I've always found that topic super interesting. And, and I think that same thing language excluded translates to like, you know, if you were just told in school, like open up a 3d editor and make some shit, maybe you wouldn't give a fuck, but you know, like Minecraft or trench broom in your case, like, you know, you want to make a quake map. Maybe you wouldn't give a fuck otherwise, but since you know, you want to accomplish that goal, then you're going to learn every little intricate thing that you need to do in order to accomplish the task of making the map that you want to make. And, uh, I think there's something to be said about that. Like, and I think dump truck has done a lot of great work as far as just kind of making it more accessible. Because if you opened up trench room in front of me, I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck this is. And I don't really have a lot of desire to make maps. So it would just be like, a, it would, it would be like opening up DaVinci resolve. <laughs> like the only reason I've ever opened it up is because I knew I wanted to make a video and I had to learn how to use it. So what was, was it a pretty simple process for you? Like, did you know immediately when you opened up a map editor, like what you did you have a vision in your head of what you wanted to make? Or did you just know you wanted to make a map? Well, I us- usually have like a general idea mm-hmm. for all of my maps. For example, the jump jam map, the general idea there was the staircase thing in the middle. Like I wanted to make use of the, like basically... What I want to do as a mapper usually is kind of force the player to reuse geometry. Mm-hmm. And I, th- that, that was like something I had thought of before when I was playing, uh, when I was playing Metroid Prime. Yeah. Uh, and I, actually that I got that idea from there, not from the game itself, but while playing it, I had that like inspiration, that idea, which has been with me since like, since from ever since the game ca- came out, which is like probably like 2001 or something. And it just so happened that there was this mod 
that had jump boots, kind of like in Metroid Prime, and I thought it would be the perfect time to finally make this idea. And then it yeah. was just, then everything kind of just revolved around that centerpiece there and like re- revisiting the puzzle rooms again when you have the jump boots and stuff like that. So the thing about your, your jump jam map that really stood out to me is uh, are you familiar with bridge burner? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I don't really know. Okay. So he's a, isn't he the dual mapper or yeah. Yeah. Big, big time dual mapper. I mean, he like sweeped up all the awards this past year and everything. And a good friend of mine and I produce his podcast. So I kind of have to plug him in every episode, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Great guy. Um, super talented mapper, uh, at least from my non-mapping perspective, just like for, as a player, <laughs> I really enjoy his stuff. But the, the, he, you know, he makes slaughter maps, and that's become kind of an, a trend here in Doom lately as people are like kind of revisiting like what it is to make a slaughter map because of some of the work that he's done. And he, he would make his maps in such a way where there's kind of a hub area, and you open up an area, and then you go out and you kind of play that area. You get, you know, a key or activated door or whatever. And then you come back to the main hub area and you go to the next place. And that's extremely similar to what you did. I don't know, you know, chicken or the egg came first, but I really enjoy that style of mapping because I, I'm one of these people. And I know there's a lot of other people like me who, you know, they like short maps, you know, like I like something that I can experience in a short enough period of time, walk away from feeling good about myself and uh, that's all great and dandy. However, neither Bastion of Chaos, which is his map, nor your fucking map made me feel good about myself at all. They just beat the shit out of me the whole time. But uh, that <laughs> that said, the breaking it into parts where you have the hub area and then you have these different parts that you're in your case, like puzzles that you have to kind of solve and you know platform your way through and everything kind of make it feel like each of these areas though it's all part of one big map or like levels on their own you know and you can kind of save at that point and revisit it and you know that that's so cool and was such a uh, an eye-opening experience but also an an easily digestible experience for a, a shitty noob like me to you know play through because i i felt like though this is like this map is so big and so much more than i could you know tip i would even typically want to play because it was broken up into pieces like that it was attainable it made a a really difficult looking goal attainable to someone like me and i think that's part of why i liked it so much um so that but that came from metroid for you uh no i i'm not sure where the i i uh, i think the first map where i used any kind of hub system Mm -hmm. was a trick jump map i made for reflex arena and ever since then, I've kind of liked that style because, like, you can make really nice. Like, I just, I just feel like you can make much nicer or like interesting layouts when you're like, you start with the hub area, it leads to one place, and then it comes back to that same place. You can kind of reshape the previously designed area to fit the next part, and then it kind of, it can change shape in a lot of different ways. And I think I really like what my maps turn out to be when I design them like that kind of, kind of like on the fly, 
change some things here and there. If, where where the fuck does that come from? That has to come from somewhere. It's not like you just like farted and out came that you know all these crazy geometric puzzles that you created. And like, one that you know, will always stick out in my mind is the the room in that map where you you have like the rotating platforms around a lava pit the whole time. And then you jump on the platform and you're, you're supposed to learn. And it's like a long learning process for someone as dumb as me. Like, okay, I got to shoot that. And then it's all timing based after that. It's like, okay, shoot that, turn around, shoot this, and then, you know, jump to the next thing and then continue until you finally make it to the top. You get the, you know, the item that you need and then you move on. Like we're, come on. Like you didn't just sneeze that out. (laughs) What's going on in your crazy ass head? Well, that's probably from my experience playing all these different trick jump games or like sub modes. Okay. And, okay. and what I kind of like to do in every game where I've mapped so far is take ideas from previous games I've played and then try to incorporate them in a game where that doesn't normally do stuff like that. So in Quake, it might seem kind of like a like a unique thing but i would say i would argue that in unreal tournament bunny track you might have stuff like that more often like platforming and like shooting targets and like like stuff that requires some like spatial awareness and like precise movement yeah it is actually kind of not totally unheard of in, in a quake world or, you know, in quake one, but it is just, especially for single player people, like kind of an uncommon thing, uh, at least people who aren't used to playing on like online servers and everything. And, uh, Gelmasan, who does all the, uh, like stream production and everything for in the keep, he's super into that stuff. And I watch him play it a lot. Like he plays the CSGO, you know, whatever the fuck that shit's called. And obviously war has got a big culture around that. Uh, Quake Live has, you know, the Quake Done, not what, not Quake Done, Quake, what the fuck is it called? The uh, Defrag World Cup and all that, that stuff is like, I I find it fascinating to watch, but like, I'm just so not into that world, but I do enjoy seeing it. And I think you're, is that kind of where you're coming from? Like the, the stuff that's specifically made for trick jumping and fucking around with the physics until you figure out the best way to traverse an area or, um, well, ever since like from our wanker days in Quake 3, we've kind of like I've kind of always liked to exploit the game mm-hmm. in different ways. Like, for example, finding some hiding spot that you have to rocket jump to. And some of those spots are like we can find like really weird spots that require kind of that are like really hard to get into and you need some like jumping skills to get there. So I guess I kind of got my first taste for anything defrag like from there. And since then I've kind of just liked trick jumping in general, like stuff like the, well, the most common example is like the bridge to rail jump in campgrounds or blood covenant. Mm-hmm. And Classic. Or, or the red armor jump in Airwalk. I have, I have a full playlist of videos where I do that same, those same red armor jumps in Airwalk, but in different games, like twenty different arena shooters or like games where you could port Airwalk into. 
and like that particular that one yeah, singular jump has yep. so many routes like to accomplish the same goal. Yep. Um, and, and I like to do also variations like I do the same thing but backwards or sideways and like I kind of just like that kind of started as a choke. And well, it's it's still kind of a choke. Like if there's like a new game that you can port Airwalk into, I just kind of like to do that same video, but on a new game. And yeah, I, I've never really been into Defrag itself. Like I'm not, you asked before if I'm like a competitive player. I don't think I, I'm not that much of a competitive player, to be honest. Like I just, I like to screw around. But yeah, like tournaments are like if I really want to get some good matches going, then tournaments are usually the only way to get that in games like these. So that's why I kind of got into that kind of stuff in Xenotic specifically. Yeah. I mean, you brought up the Airwalk thing, and I, I probably, I think I've seen your video where it's like doing it in several different games, and I've also seen like just the Quake. I can't remember who made it, but it was a a Quake World video on Airwalk where it was just, uh, you know, here's the, you know, the three jump circle jump technique to get over there, and here's the two one, and here's the backwards one, and like standing in a particular place, and you know, hop bunny hop here, bunny hop there, and then do it and like, uh. First of all, I don't have that kind of fucking concentration. I, I'm not saying I have ADHD. I, I, I think you'd have to have some form of like obsessive <laughs> disorder to like actually sit there and figure all that stuff out. But like, where where does that part of your personality comes from that you like care enough to sit there for that long to figure all these things out? Was it, because I can understand if it's driven by uh, like a competitive nature, right? So if you're obsessed with making that jump without doing a rocket jump so that you don't give away your location, like I could see where you'd want to put in the practice to figure that out. But like simply for the sake of saying I, I was able to do it, like I don't have that kind of motivation. Where does that come from innately? Well, I kind of just like to make videos. And okay. when I was a kid, I had a lot of friends who did skateboarding. And mm-hmm. back then we Did you skateboard? I tried to, but I like I I never really got the practice into it. But like I yeah. was more into like I was kind of hanging around with my friends who were doing that, and then we kind of had this idea that we should make our like skateboard movie, and we would just like grind these certain tricks for like hours and hours, and I would try to catch it on video. And I think it's kind of like kind of same mentality with my was, uh... videos. I was also, I was really into skateboarding, but I was never like um, a trick guy. I was like a do really stupid shit guy. Like this is when Jackass was really popular. I don't know if you remember Jackass, but yeah. Uh, like my, my older brother and me, we were just like, you know, what, what's the dumbest thing we could do today? Like we were bored redneck kids in, you know, rural Alabama. And I, I remember... You know, like, let's, what if we jumped off of the roof of our grandmother's house into the swimming pool, like, which is a pretty, I mean, I wish I had a picture of what this looked like, but way too long, like not a realistic thing to do. And we would just like practice that all day and like, and hurt ourselves and, or like, what if we were to take a golf cart and sling ourselves off the back of it? Like we'd hit the brakes and sling it around and just see how far we could throw you across the field. And, 
Um, this ultimately cultivated in taking a plywood boards that my dad had. And we had this kind of like our house was at the bottom of a hill and we would, we built this ramp out of plywood all the way down that hill. And then my brother had a, like my little brother had like a, one of those plastic jungle gyms that little kids have. And we built a, like a quarter pipe mounted on that plastic (laughs) piece of shit jungle gym. And it was, there was no end game to this. There's no plan. We're just like, let's go all the way down this hill as fast as humanly possible hit that ramp and see how high in the air we'll go with no concern about how are we going to land. And that's the kind of dumb fucking shit that we would do. But, and, and, but this is like, um, my brother had just gotten like his first phone with a camera on it. And the whole idea was like, we're going to video how, you know, the, these stupid things. So I get that. Men- I do get that mentality. Um, but like, but fucking why? <laughs> it's not like we're going to be famous. It's not like we're going to be Johnny Knoxville or, or Bam Margera or whatever. So, it's just uh, really fun to put together a video and to watch it later. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's it for me at least. It's like like home movies kind of thing. Yeah. Do you still have any of those? Like just you doing stupid crap that you did when you were a kid that you uh, revisit? I have one one video where I'm like I'm trying to shoot fireworks. Like I have this like rocket thing that's like attached to a stick and. Like I, I fired it up, and I thought it would. I thought it was the kind of rocket that would lo- kind of like leave the stick, but it it wasn't the, one of those. And like I was just holding it next to my <laughs> fucking face, and then I realized, holy shit, it's not leaving. And then I like, as soon as I let it go, it explodes like maybe like a half a feet away from me, <laughs> and. I couldn't hear anything for like from my right ear for, for like <laughs> next couple of weeks or something like that. Uh, like I, I have, I have, yeah, I, I kind of have videos like that laying around somewhere. I don't, I don't have any of those videos of us doing stupid stunts. My brother probably has them. I should hit him up and see if he has anything like laying around, but. One of the big things was uh, uh, you're your musician as, as well. So I was in like metal bands and stupid shit like that. And I, I do have some videos of like us playing as teenagers and like the ridiculous way we would dress. And like when you're trying to be really fucking metal, like you're doing the stupid fucking headbanging crap and jumping off of shit and everything. And every once in a while, I'll go back and like revisit and just like laugh at how dumb I was. And one time when I was in, uh, I was in school, like, you know, adult school, not little kid school. I, uh, somebody asked me like, you know, you play the guitar. And I was like, yeah, I was in a band when I was in high school. And, and, and the instructor was like, Oh, what was the, What was the name of the band? And I was like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, um, cool. And he typed it in real quick on YouTube and pulled it up on like the class projector screen and played it for the whole class. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, I'm not embarrassed by it. Like it was funny and stupid, but, like, is it because you put everything on YouTube? Like, uh, do you have anything like that's out there that you're like, oh God, why did I put that out in the world? Because you can never really get rid of it once it's out there. Well, basically everything prior 2015. Like, I've I've been doing that since 2004 when I was yeah. still like a stupid teenager, and there's a lot of like edge lord stuff. 
that's still out there that I haven't. I I just I don't want to delete it because I'm I'm gonna find it funny like ten years from now and like twenty years from now. But, <laughs> but like yeah, yeah I, I'm like I kind of like I kind of remember what I was going through when I made them, but I was like. I, I listened to them and then I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> Why did I do that? Anyway, back I guess back to Quake since it's where we're, <laughs> we're tangent, tangenting off of. It's like, uh, have you ever heard the podcast Tangentially Speaking with Chris Ryan? No. Uh, I just like the name. Like, I really like his podcast, but the name Tangentially Speaking, I think is like, he really nailed it with that name. Like, it's, it's actually a really long and complicated English word to like to market, but like it perfectly describes what an interview podcast should be like to me. And that, you know, you have like your general topics that you want to talk about, but you just like explore every idea and like let it flow and however it happens, it happens. And that's the beauty of conversation. But um, to bring it back to the main topic at hand here. So, the multiplayer stuff, like you, you became obsessed with the trick jumping shit, and or at least enough that you were, you know, willing to make videos of how to do it in every game, and that translates to your single player maps because you, you you're clearly an expert at like forcing a play. You do it in such a way that it's subtle enough that it's not like you have to be an expert to like do it necessarily, but you're good at leading the player into accomplishing something that they didn't think was possible before, which is absolutely like i don't even know if that's planned but it is masterful that is like the definition of a great game is teaching like that's what a game does in my opinion is it it teaches you to do something that you didn't you know you weren't able to do before uh which is why i think uh, i think i touched on this earlier about how like it's a good way to teach kids to do anything but you know like I, i can't remember who it was it was some like scientist it's probably like neil tyson or someone like that but they were talking about how like what the you see a kid and they're playing grand theft auto and and it looks like they're just you know chainsaw and hookers and killing cops but what they're actually doing because you have a simulated environment right where you know the ai is pretty damn good you know, especially by modern video game standards and you are a kid what they're doing when they're playing those games is constantly reapplying the scientific method over and over and over again, and then like doing it in a different way and getting different results. And it's the only safe place to do that. Right. Uh, You know, you can't go out in the streets and just like, I don't know, what's the most whip your dick out within a hell, hold a gun in your hand and start just capping, like blowing caps into the air. And then, you know get it's not like you just get out of jail the next day it's like your life is fucked at that point but if you do it in a video game you can see like these are the different ways that this could you know result you know i've i've applied my uh here's my hypothesis (laughs) here's the experiment and here's the result and you can do it in several different ways until you achieve and as a result that is desirable to you which could be a lot of different things but uh, you were such a master. You are such a master at doing that within the, the at least the world of quake mapping. Like you, you made me keep doing a you know a, a task over and over again. And like, okay, well that didn't work. What I just did. So what do I do now? Like, and I try a different thing, and then eventually I accomplish the goal that I want to achieve, which is reaching the next part of the platform. 
or you know killing the the enemies in the room in a, in a way that makes sense and that's i think doom actually does that the best and like you know you you walk in here like which enemies do you prioritize and, and you constantly reapply again the scientific method until you achieve the the result that you want and you, i don't i don't know like is there any way you can explain that your your method of luring people into doing something like that like a, like what what's your what's the motivating factor for someone other than just like i just want to complete this level or is that it is that just the the whole point well it's not really really that deep like the only like fil- the only filter I- no don't worry about it my only filter for like or like, well, basically what I want to avoid is making obstacles that require you to uh, do any like bunny hopping or strafe jump techniques. Cause like quick one single player players don't really do that stuff. So I want to avoid that as well as rocket jumping and stuff like that. So only thing I really try to test with my obstacles is if I can complete it with just holding forward key and space bar it, or like if I can at least complete it with like those minimum requirements. So like every, every obstacle in all my maps you can complete with if, as long as you know how to press forward key and the jump key. Mm-hmm. And of course, like moving your mouse, but like you're not, you don't have to, know how to bunny hop or do like any advanced tricks. So I like, think that's, that's a problem with uh with multiplayer quake or arena shooters in general is that there is that learning curve. Like you're expected in order to be competent to know a lot of things that are not explained to you. Whereas your your method and like what you're kind of explaining here with single player maps is like you don't require any prior knowledge from the player. Like you're not asking them to know something that is unrealistic for them to know in order to accomplish the goal that you set for them. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I guess so. Like I, okay. I, I have to admit that I kind of like to do things that are kind of unfair on purpose. Like that's, that's kind of what I, that's kind of my childhood memory of some games. Like there was always this like, really like unfair things in like some of the older games that like I, I would just like try something over and over and like learn it like with that scientific meta- method or wh- whatever mm-hmm. you just explained. Uh, like that, that, that was kind of my general experience with games. And I, I've kind of, that's kind of what I'm going for. Like I like to, like that's that's basically my idea of of a good game is to have some like kind of kind of unfair thing going going for but not like impossible unfair i, I mean there, you're using the word unfair but I, I would say it's it's not unfair as long as it is achievable right like so uh, do are you familiar you know who hugo martin is he's the kind of lead lead guy at id right now making the doom games yeah, and everything. The, yeah and he had this really prolific quote which i really resonated with me but he was talking about how like when you fail at a task in a game you should never feel like 
the player should never feel that it is the game's fault that they weren't able to do it. They should feel like it's their fault. So that they, because if they feel like it's, if they feel like it's the game's fault, they're just like, fuck this game. I'm done. Throw it away. And they were it again. Uninstall demand a refund, whatever. But if you feel like it's the, it's your fault for not accomplishing what was set forward for you, then you'll do it again and you'll keep trying until you accomplish it. And that's a very fine, you know, line to walk. But I think that you accomplished it, at least for me, you accomplished that because I mean, this, this is the math that we're describing for people. I'll link it in the episode notes. Like if you haven't played it before, I don't, at least in my experience, I never felt like it was your fault. Like I never felt like you're an asshole and you put something that was unfair to the point where it was like, it's, it's your fault. I can't do this. I just felt like I need to figure out the way. And that's what makes it addictive. That's what makes you want to keep coming back and and do it. And and then eventually beat it. Well, with unfair, I kind of mean just the, yeah, that I like the map is trying to kill the player basically. And the player is going to die. Like there's unexpected, no, no, yeah. Like there's no, well, not necessarily unexpected by you, just, but you just have these like really extreme situations where you're going to die if you if it's like your first try, basically. Yeah, I mean you you hid monsters in the internal part of the tower, which I did not expect. Um, so like, and I'm I'm climbing the tower, and you know you go inside of it at a certain point. And there's fucking monsters in there, and I'm like, and I'm like, so you have to either really quickly kill them if you have the ammo to do so, or you know, get to a point where they can't get you and then annihilate them somehow. And I, I get how they again that is a seemingly unfair thing. Like, oh fuck, I didn't expect that. I didn't like, I didn't plan for this. But I mean, you die, and hopefully, it's a big problem in Quake World, or sorry, Quake in general is like the. <laughs> If you forget to if you forget to hit the save button, you're fucked. Like it's not there's no auto save function going you know, acting in your favor unless with Smate too, you guys actually programmed that in at least for the you know multiplayer portions that I played, and that was a huge quality of life improvement. But and, and obviously at the top of each level, but for a level as big as yours, it's like I, I am. If you had just set me back at square one, you could go fuck yourself. I'm not. <laughs> no way. Uh, JCR would make fun of me a lot. He's like, you know, you're not a pro quake player because if you were, you would know to auto save all the time. And I'm just like, I get so immersed in the experience that I forget. <laughs> it's the last thing on my mind. Yeah, it's 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 annoying if you if it's like a really long like muscle map, especially like you're like 400 kills in, and then you remember, then you forgot yeah. the quick save at any point. Yeah, I, I get that. Was there were there any mappers or maps that inspired you that you were like it, it could be in any game but you know specifically Quake since that's kind of the domain that you live in now that were like made you want to do this or to that made you better in some way that you took tips from? Well, it was actually Muscle who mm-hmm. was my friend and we were kind of like I I said I basically because I knew he he's, he does dual maps. I sent him the link to dump trucks tutorials. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, hey, maybe you could try making Quake 1 maps. And then like maybe like a month later, he drops this like huge 
huge, like, probably one of the, well, I don't know, not, not probably one of the biggest, but like really huge map with like maybe like 500 monsters or something. And he had like all of these very intricate uh, obstacles and like he did a lot of like unique things with the, with different like moving entities like doors and lifts and like stuff like that. And then I was like, wait a minute, this guy learned mapping in like a maybe a week and then he like put this thing out in like next two weeks and that that kind of got me that got me into trying and mm-hmm. i was like if if my friend Masu can do it then maybe i can as well so yeah and then yeah i of course liked his map and i kind of wanted to do something i wanted to try something similar like a lot of different gimmicks and obstacles you, you mentioned early in the conversation that you like are at least uncomfortable with like accepting compliments and everything. But I think at this point, I'm not the only one. Like a lot of people bring your name up all the time when they're talking about quake maps. And do you, do you revel at all in like the reputation that you've built for yourself? Because I mean, I remember in Smay one, your, your map was the first map and it was like to, to quote the, the, thing that was said at the time, a noob filter. Like, this is like, if you can't make it through this map, you might as well fucking hang it up right here. And, uh, and that you guys wanted to avoid that in Smay 2, Smedge 2. And, and they, they, they moved you kind of to the back of the pack. Um, but does that mean anything to you? The fact that you kind of built that persona, or at least in the community? Well, First of all, I think I probably worded that compliment thing, thing wrong. Like, it's not that I can't accept compliments, but I'm just like, I'm just really bad at reacting to them. Like, that's what I tried to yeah. mean. I am that, too, man. I, I get that. Hundred percent. It's, it's it just gets really awkward, or, or like it makes me feel awkward. But like, I uh, think what, you would be weird or mentally ill to just like when people throw compliments at you to just like, yeah, I'm fucking awesome. I'm so cool. Look at me. Like that'd be fucking like, at least that's how I react to it. Because I mean, not that I get it all the time or every day, but like, you know, people write or, you know, say something to me in voice chat or whatever. They're like, Oh, I love your podcast. I listen to every single episode. And, and as much as like, I, I mean, for me, this show is built on, not myself, but the guests. Like, and I think all the guests are awesome. Otherwise, I wouldn't invite them to be on the show. Like, that's that's why you're here. And and they, you know, they say like you're so fucking great, or like your your interviews are so great. Like, you're truly gifted at this, or anything like that at all. And I'm just like, I don't I don't know how to internalize that. Like, I, I'm just like I'm just I'm always at the end of the day. I'm just me. I'm just some fucking guy. Like, I'm not special. I'm not different in any way that I can quantify for myself. I just kind of do things the way that I do them. And if people like them, like that's awesome. That's what I want. I, I obviously, I mean, you want people to like your maps, right? Like yeah, I, I want people course. to, I want people to listen to this interview and be and walk away and be like, smile. So it's great. And, and if anything about me that I want them to say is like, 
Motherlode did a pretty good job of making Smilesythe talk about the things that I wanted to hear. Like that's that's my goal. It's not like I want anybody to walk away and say like, "Oh, Ty Brandon is so fucking great at anything." Like that's because uh, I'm not, other than maybe talking. But it's not like it's a talking is not a skill that I just set out to be really good at. It's like I just show up and drink beer and, and ask the questions that interest me, and hopefully they work out. You know, hopefully they get you talking, but I'm sorry. I, I'm rambling a bit tonight, but that's because again, I'm drinking a lot of beer. What's your, uh, Oh, you, you actually kind of had another question there. Like, like how, how do I feel about the, my persona or like this persona that I have yeah, or like, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm kind of used to the fact that my maps aren't going to be appealing to everyone because like, I'm not like, that's uh, my goal is not to please everyone. Obviously. Like I, I do what I want to do. And yeah, I don't know how to continue that. (laughs) I I think I have an analogy for that. Um, Let's hear it. So, I was always really into pro wrestling, right? Like in, that was kind of my early life, like route I wanted to go. And I remember my, uh, my trainer, I was talking to him and he was a fantastic guy. Uh, Dalton cross, the, the Gothic warrior, uh, big in the Southeast wrestler, but like probably not very worldwide known. And, and I was telling him cause he was asking me like, you know, like, what do you want to accomplish here? And, and it was never important to me that I like, you know, be famous or on TV or anything like that. Like, I mean, those are all nice things, but like pro wrestling is a hard business and like they're only the best of the best or like really, really lucky people end up in that position. But th- this is pretty, like, I think objectively kind of a wise thing for a 19 year old kid to say. I was just like, I care about the approval of my peers like people who I respect, like who appreciate the craft that we're doing here. You know, if, if somebody that I really, really thought was great were to tell me like, Hey, you had a good match tonight would mean so much more than, you know, just some outsider saying like, you suck or like, you're not, you know, like whatever. But if, if uh, I don't know, what's the best compliment I got? You know, if the honky tonk man shook my hand and said like, you had a good match tonight, son, that would mean a lot. And, and in your case, it's like you, you guys have the quake mapping community. Like if, I don't know, Newhouse plays your map and says like, this needs to be featured, you know, like you need to be featured in the in this May map jam or if dump truck or, you know, someone like that says like, I really appreciate something you did. You know, they know what they're talking about. Like you, you know, they've proven themselves to whatever. And so like, if someone like that were to reach out to you and say, hey, it's different than, you know, me. I like your map. Like I'm just some guy who likes your map, you know, whatever, who the fuck. But if, if one of those guys says your map is kick-ass for these reasons, does that mean like that has to mean something? Oh, well, of course. And the funny thing is like when I was mapping, I was kind of looking forward to certain streamers playing my map and like seeing their react and reaction when they like fail at this specific part that I was working at that moment. And finally, none of the streamers that I wanted to play it played it. 
<laughs> Sorry. D- didn't mean to totally be the only guy that streamed it or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that probably didn't answer your question. That's just... No, but like, who who did you want a reaction from, like, streamer-wise? I'm curious. Well, uh, uh, I, it, I, I shouldn't throw anyone under the bus here. Oh, do please! I'll I'll, I'll nah, like nah. email them. Nah, I'll email I'll, all of them. I'll let, I'll let the audience guess who I'm talking about. Um, well, like, um, Icarus lives. You know, he's mostly known for Doom, but I mean, like, he would play. You know, like the Christmas map jams and stuff like that, and I, that's really good exposure. Because I feel like, um, you, you tell me how you feel about this. I think there's a lot of YouTube and like, Twitch coverage of like the Doom scene, and it, granted, the Doom scene is bigger, like more people participate than in Quake. Um, and so the, you know, and there's the CAC Awards. There's a lot of infrastructure around the Doom community um, that lends itself to exposure whereas with you guys it's as far as i can tell you know there's the quake mapping community there's dump truck there's the occasional streamer who takes interest in it uh there's quakefans.net which is mostly multiplayer stuff like a smango could you know probably stand to do a little bit more single player stuff in my opinion smango you fucking cunt play the games play the maps play the jams you heard me. Um, <laughs> sorry, but it there there's a lot more of that going on. Whereas with with you guys, I feel like the Quake mapping community could could use a lot more exposure. Like you could use a, a big streamer just or a big YouTuber or whatever, making this more known. It's not like the quality's not there. You know, when you're marketing a product, you're trying to sell something to someone. Not that you're trying to like make money, but I mean like, you know, you have a product, you want people to consume it. It's not like you guys aren't doing fantastic shit. It's that you don't have a voice out there, like letting people know about it. You don't have the, the marketing behind it to make it this big thing that hopefully, or it's even a little bit more, just to expose it more to people so that more people participate in it. And I think that's the goal of pretty much any community is like you, you want people to be interested in what you're interested in. And, uh, you know, it, it, fuck. I don't know if PewDiePie just t- suddenly took an interest tomorrow, and I'm gonna play every great Quake map or whatever. Like it would be huge. Like it's it, maybe he would be a total fucking complete noob and not know what he's doing, but it would it would make a big impact because a lot more people would take interest in what you're doing. So I get that. Like maybe you, you don't want to say who it is or who you were expecting, but I am actually super curious. Like who who would even be on the docket for that? Well, the usual suspects who play Quake normally. Like, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> like, I didn't mean like PewDiePie or like, you know. That's just know. an extreme example. I, yeah, I just, but yeah. You want, you want exposure. Yeah, of course. I, I feel guilty. Like, I actually kind of, I don't beat myself up and lose sleep about it, but like, I, I wish I did more. Like, I, I wish I spent more time, like streaming the stuff i mean i played we did the stream of the first half of smay or whatever smay 2 and we haven't gotten around to doing the second half stream because like a i want it to be the same group and b it's like we all got to be in the same place at the same time to do it and it just hasn't happened yet 
Um, but oh, I feel like, sh- like it's like a lingering thing. Like that's there's a YouTube video of like the first half of it, and people are like people are gonna find like the thing. It's gonna say part one, and then there's not gonna be a part two. And every fucking week that goes by that that's not there, I feel like a jackass. You know. We we really liked your episode, by the way. Like, you guys are genuinely funny when you're like, like jumping around and trying to get through some obstacle. Like, you you spend like two hours or something in new houses map alone. Uh, like it's, it's like you guys really got the 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 thing for entertaining, like. Like I think I speak for all the sketch guys that you, your stream was really nice. I, I just I don't have that, the that, that was such a stoic way to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Like I think it's a good group and it was fun and everything. It's just like we don't have the Twitch platform that it made any difference, right? Like, so most of the people that were checking out that stream, you know, like five, 10, 15, 20 people or whatever, if even that much, or like you guys popping in like, Oh, somebody's playing my map. Like I'm going to check that out. Or, you know, it's just, it's not like I, we brought you any clout. Maybe the YouTube video, like the VOD probably does far. I haven't even checked it, but like probably does far better than any stream we're going to do. But like, if you had someone that has like two, three, four, you know, a few hundred or, you know, a few thousand people that watch their shit were to do exactly what we did, it would have a far bigger impact. And I can't at this time provide that service to the community. I mean, for me, at least it was worth it just to see you guys having fun in the maps. Like we had a blast. Yeah. Like, but like that itself alone was worth it in my opinion. Like just seeing someone, have fun in, fun in it with their friends. Even though we sucked, like no, that, I, that's that's what made it funnier. What, what made it the the most funny thing was like I warned everybody ahead of time. I was like, we want to play this on like normal, and they're like, no, there's like five of us. I'm like, it's designed for that, and they're like, oh, it'll be fine. Let's play it on like we could barely even figure out how to turn on hard or you know whatever, and. And I was just like, uh, guys, this is a mistake. Like, we, we really should be playing this on like a relatively easy difficulty. And then we get like, uh, how, how far is new new houses map in? Like, uh, four or five it, maps. In? I think it was fourth. Yeah, you know. And then we get stuck there, and and the, they're like the whole crew is still arguing. Like, what difficulty did we select again? And I'm like, guys, we have fifty percent health max. Like, why is this not obvious to you? We should not have done this. This is a huge mistake. And then you were sitting there. I think you actually specifically were in chat. Like, you guys are on, like, what's the expert difficulty called in Quick Anymore? Nightmare. Yeah. You guys are on Nightmare. And I was just like, yeah, I I don't know what to do anymore. I'm just, (laughs) we started no clipping through through to the top of the map. Just like, let's just see if we can finish this thing. And we never did. We will eventually. One day I'll get the whole, you know, that group of people back together. Uncle Had and Capelli and everything. But Yeah, we're all looking forward to it. I still actually have some some popcorn collecting dust there, like <laughs> from the previous stream. 
but uh, we, we spent a lot of time just specifically talking about the jump jam stuff. Uh, you have two SMA maps. Can you kind of like give us the elevator pitch on like the SMA one map, and then after that maybe the SMA two map as well, and just kind of like get the full spectrum of like your design philosophy, if you don't if you don't mind. Well, uh, well, it's kind of the way I make maps is kind of spontaneous. Like mm-hmm. I start with one room. And like, then I always have this general idea at the back of my head. What does it uh, look like? What's a, what's a general idea look like? Well, I have like, it, it could be like just one single idea that I want to do in a map. And then like it, everything kind of leads to it. So like mm-hmm. with the jump jam map, it was the staircase thing in the middle. And with May, it was actually, May 1, it was actually the lift thing at the very beginning. Yep. Like I wanted the lift that you would ride across like a void. And then it kind of, then I just built after that. And then there was that, the, there was that another room with the lift lifts that go in a circle and then with the laser traps. That was actually a afterthought that wasn't in the original version of the, or like the very first version. Like I added that at the very end, basically that whole room there, and yeah, it, it's just kind of like it's it's just like vague ideas that I just I kind of go for it, and if I can't do it exactly the way I planned it in my head, then I just kind of like improvise around that. Like I don't like I don't have any like sketchbooks for like any layouts. It's just like comes out of like like it's like continuation to the first room I made and then like room after that, room after that, and it's it's kind of same for visuals also. Like I don't really have like a fixed idea for visuals. It just kind of evolves along the way. Now, when you guys get together and you decide, like, all right, it's time for us to do one of these map jam things, are you sharing this stuff with each other, like, throughout and, like, giving each other feedback? Or is it just, like, you show up with a more or less completed project and, like, they play through it and, like, this is good? Or, like, is there any any kind of collaboration within the map itself? Or is, is it simply just, like, here's Smile Sites map, put it in there. Which May 1, it was actually, I went through like 22 different versions and it had okay. to be approved by Newhouse, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, like there, were, there were all these like small changes that had to be done in like basically every room in order to make it playable because it was really difficult at the very beginning. And we had to kind of tune it down a little bit. But with May 2, it was actually, I don't know if it's because mine was the final map, but I, I kind of had more free reign on that one. I just kind of like pasted this like almost final product at the, like near the deadline, which we kind of crossed over to like, it was supposed to come like maybe half year earlier than it actually did. 
and then with with Smay too, like because you guys had done it once before, or any. This is kind. Of, was that your first like real jam that you participated in? Smetch two, yes. Okay, so I, uh, no, did I say Smetch two? I meant Smetch one. Yeah. You may have said that, but I interpreted, <laughs> I interpreted it the correct way. Um, so that was like your first jam, jam, and then so you'd done it before. So Smetch two, Smetch two, whatever. You guys. uh kind of know what you're what the process is you, you've learned a bit and was it a, a more streamlined process at that point or was it still the same thing yeah we kind of had like a in both cases we had this like i think i think it was worka who made like a sheet like a google document with like okay level one should have uh it should introduce this monster. It should have this item in a secret. And it was like a basic, like a plan like that's like, that's how both those jams started. Mm-hmm. And with Smetch 2, we kind of, we tried to be more like a, we tried to unite the maps more like in a way that it would seem like you're, you're in the same world still like you, like the, ending of map two is the beginning of the map three, for example, like stuff like we just tried to unite it visually and have some sort yeah. of more coherent story this time yeah, around. Cause that, that was, that was one of the criticisms of the, for the pre- previous champ. Cause it didn't feel like it was like united at all, like between the levels. I mean, that's part of what you expect with anything called the jam is it's like, you know, we're, we're all bringing different ideas to the table and it's just kind of like, here's a hodgepodge thing. But like with Smetch 2, you guys really did, I think, accomplish your goal that you set out of making this feel more like a cohesive experience. Like this is a, you know, a game. Like if you were, if you guys were like all to just decide like, we're going to be game designers and like, let's make a game right now. That would be the way to do it. Or you, you make it this one streamlined, cohesive experience that is. I feel like uh, sm- calling it smed. I get why it's still called smedge because like oh, that's what it is. But like, it feels like an episode instead of like a, a collection of maps. It took me a long time to get to the <laughs> way of wording that, but that's that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, there's like. There are like map jams that are specifically episodes, and then there's jams which are just like a like a hub area yeah. with like everyone's map basically. And th- usually those kind of releases don't have any unity. Like it's just basically it's a common theme, and everyone kind of does their own spin on it. But their the maps themselves aren't, aren't usually connected the way they are in a episode like format. <laughs> Do you guys, um, or actually just you in general, I would say, do you have a preference of like how these things are organized? Like, is there a way that you would want it to be structured so that you end up with the result like you did, or did it just kind of happen organically? Because is New House like kind of heading the whole thing? Is that 
that he's like kind of the head of the smedge thing. Well, Newhouse, Newhouse was kind of directing the thing in the first pack, and I think this time on the second pack, Vurka was more in the leading role. So, but I I don't know. Like, I think both both cases worked. Like, mm-hmm. as long as the one who makes the calls has a good idea and like knows what to tell people to do, then like I'll I can go along with it. Like I don't I don't really have preference for that. I think I think I kinda like to do like I prefer to do my own thing rather than like basically doing somebody else's idea, if that makes sense. I think it makes like, perfect sense. Like although all all my map releases are from a cham that have like a like a specific idea or theme that I, yeah. I still would prefer to do my own thing. But I, I well, just haven't got around to like publishing anything of the sort. So you mentioned very very early on in this conversation that you had like a kind of a map that you've been working on for a long time, Arcane Dimensions, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have this sort of vision of releasing one day like a like an ultimate Smile Scythe map or or collection or episode or something like that? Well, the way it's looking or the way it's heading, I think it might be like like a typical giant arcane dimensions map. I might make it make some kind of starting hub for it, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure, but it's kind of it also has the kind of hub style to it. But it's it's not as evolved as the jump jam thing like the the place where the jump jam is, I guess it's because of me experimenting with the arcane dimension and arcane dimension map and my previous trickshot maps, like. So I'm a little confused on, I guess, what you're trying to say. Do you prefer to work within the parameter of someone like giving you like a, you know, here are the here's a direction, here's a theme, and what we're trying to accomplish, and then you kind of engineer your way out of that. You know, like I'm going to make something that's uniquely me with the limits that have been set for me, or do you prefer to just freeform, you know, do whatever the fuck you want? Uh, I prefer to that freeform, but like, okay, I kind of do what you explained, like the former, the like, like, I, I, like, even if I have like a set rules and I still kind of like to do my own thing but like i think that applies to everyone in the smetch crew like we all kind of had our own thing in our mm-hmm. maps so that's not like unique to me but yeah i i think it's just more comfortable to just like be your own boss basically i mean like i don't yeah. i don't hate i don't hate working with smetch crew like i think what we did was really really fun and I'm really satisfied with like everyone's everyone's maps. But yeah, like that's that like I'm not trying to say I hate it, but like I, I 
I like doing my own thing a little bit more. <laughs> no, I mean, I would be... <sighs> Given that I'm such a... I mean, like, I'm not trying to kiss your ass and, you know, suck your butt and all that kind of shit, but, like, I am a fan of you, right? Like, I, I, I might not even want to necessarily play the finished map jam stuff were it not for the, the promise of, like, my favorite mapper is part of this and like, I want to support that and like see what he has to offer, you know? And I hope that you don't take that compliment and like, feel like weird about it. Like, that's just how I feel. And if you were, if you like, if smile scythe released a smile scythe fucking map thing, it, whether that be a jam where you feature your favorite people or, you know, you release a, in an episode of all shit that you made, or just like an epic ass level that you made, I would definitely take the time of the day to go play that because like, I just really like what you do. Well, I I would send it to you first then. (laughs) Well, I mean, I hope so, but you know, I don't expect that, but I would hope you would send it to like people who know what the fuck they're talking about and like would give you some real feedback so that you could make it the best that you could first. But you know, I would, I would take the time out of my day and like, I would be like, I want to play that because I know that this is something that I'm familiar with. It's something that I'm like, you know, excited about. And then it would make me more motivated. It's it's the same thing with like games. Like I don't, I don't buy games. Uh, I I have like the hard set rule of like, I don't buy triple A games for full price ever. You know, if, if it really looks good, if the reviews come back good, I'll wait till it goes on sale and then I'll buy it because I, I have the opinion that, you know, the AAA gaming industry is a shithole and it's like not really taking care of the people who do the hard work. It's mostly a corporate interest thing. And that I don't like. And then with indie games, you know, uh, Scumhead. Do you know do you know Scumhead at all? No. He he's a he's a Doom engine guy. He he releases uh game like Scythe or sorry, fuck. That's like the most immortal sin. Shrine one and two, not Scythe. Scythe is a classic Doom map, which is also very good, but like it's so common for me to fuck that up that I, I feel like shit about it now. Regardless, he he made a Shrine One, Shrine Two, Lycanthorn One, Lycanthorn Two, and now he's working on Vomitorium, which is a really cool looking uh it's a Doom Engine game, but it's like almost a Souls like sort of experience or Metroidvania slash Souls-like. He's amazing. I, I'm i a huge fan of his. And I will play anything he makes, and I will go out of my way to play it and support it because I know I like what he does. And the same thing applies to someone like you. Like, if you were to do something similar, I would be like, I'm all in on Smile Scythe because, like, you know, we have a personal connection. Like, I, I, I know I like you. I know I like what you do. I'm invested in you. And and I think that's I really wish that more people put their money where their mouth is in in regards to that. Not just like this uh, betting on a well, you know, Bethesda makes Fallout and, you know, Elder Scrolls and Doom and so like I'm just going to buy everything that they release. Not because like you shouldn't, you know, be able to bet on a uh, on a company. Like I, I would bet on New Blood, I would bet on uh 3D Realms. But I don't think that people should just like blindly throw their money or their time. You know, time is more important than money, in my opinion, too. 
but like at a company with an IP over the singular vision of an artist, like of a, of a single artist. And, and the, the example of that would come with something like a, like doom with the, the transition from John Carmack's vision to, you know, Hugo Martin's vision. Not that either one of them are bad, but they're hugely different visions for what that IP, that intellectual property represents. Um, Bioshock. I don't know if you ever played Bioshock, but the, the yeah. analogy stands like Bioshock one. Bioshock two made by a totally different group of developers, you know, than Bioshock one, but because it shares the name, people still bought it. And then they, not nothing against Bioshock two, but like a very different kind of experience. And that happens a lot with quote intellectual property. When you're dealing with an individual creator, you don't have that problem. They're doing what they want to do. They're doing what, you know, you can depend on that brand of that person or that, you know, game to remain what you liked about it in the first place. Yeah. I think the problem with AAA games is like, they kind of have to try to please everyone. Yeah. Cause like, cause they're like, they put so much money into like, feeding their workers and like they they need to get that return for it so they don't take as much risk but with like indie developers it's like you don't they don't invest as much so like they they can like take more risks with like their own ideas and like i i completely fucked that articulation there but i think you know what i mean i totally agree yeah you have a, a talent for because I'll I'll tend to go on these like long rants to try to arrive at a point, and you're very good at just getting straight to what you're trying to say. <laughs> That's good. Well, I'm I'm kind of thinking thinking that thinking about the long version, and then I'm just like coming up with the short version. So like I get confused, like which which one am am I going with? So yeah. So I'm curious, like. Uh, if you were to put together your dream jam, what would the theme be and who would your collaborators be? Because uh, so far, you know, you did the one, the jump jam, which is kind of like a themed thing with a mechanic. And then you've done Smay one and two. Um, And is there, is there something particularly special about the finish group that you like why are there so many great people from finland that make like quake maps like first of all that's like a prerequisite to the whole question if you wouldn't mind answering it Mm, i don't really know it's just yeah i I don't really know what it is I, i just i think like Finnish people have always kind of been like very, very into like these kind of games in general. And like, I see like a lot of Finnish people are also into like modding and like all kinds of like open source projects. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I, I don't, that's, that's a really hard question to answer. Is there something about the the Finnish culture that like lends itself to 
this sort of thing? Because like you don't have a lot of fucking people. Like there's not very many Finnish people in you know in comparison to the rest of the world. How is it that so many great quake mappers in general like just come from Finland? That's weird. That's like a dispro- a hugely disproportionate amount of of adults that care about this particular thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe if we like put our minds to something, then we kind of have like we really we really want to like get it through. Mm-hmm. But I, like I don't know if that's a culture thing or like a specifically Finnish thing. But like I don't, I don't really know. It goes beyond. Uh... Finland, but like that, that little three country area of the world in general has a hugely disproportionate amount of great, I mean, like fantastic quake players. And regardless of whether that be single player or multiplayer, because like the multiplayer quake scene itself is Scandinavian is like Norway, Sweden, Finland. And I don't Maybe I'm like using the wrong word here because like I don't know that Scandinavia really actually applies to Finland, but like in in English or at least in an American terminology that encompasses those three countries. But uh, feel free to correct me if you feel like I'm I, misno- I think it's, misnoming it. I think Scandinavia is like Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and if you add Finland, then it's Fenno, Scandia, mm-hmm. and if you add Iceland, then it's Nordic countries like i think that's the correct terminology but like my favorite quake players of all time are like and i think anybody who's into quake world in general would say like obviously milton who's Finnish, and then bps loctar and then we can go down the list but those are my like people that i'm like have interacted with to a, a good degree and these are the the people who are like really make multiplayer quake super cool and exciting. And then, and then to go further, like the mapping scene is not just isolated totally to Finland, but like, what is it about you people who live in fucking cold ass climates that are like scary and unforgiving? Like what makes you guys so into quake? Like, why is it? Why is that the center of the world for this community? If you you, know, I, you don't I have kinda, to I kind of have that. I kind of have some like vague ideas in my head but I'm not sure how to like I think like with Americans for example for reference I think with you guys it's more like it's more business driven like you kind of you kind of want to go for the thing that sells the most uh, like more so than compared to like Scandinavian countries I think and I think it's that difference kind of that's like, we just, we just don't care if the thing we're doing is not like the most popular thing, um, which, which would be like quake and arena shooters. Like we're fine playing games that aren't popular or like, it doesn't like give us the most clout. It's not a, it's not a status thing. It's like a, what's the best thing thing. 
yeah i or like what's the what's the best thing for us like personally at personal level i agree I, with that sentiment like i think that's also why we have so many like people who like are like very much into like linux and like a lot of like open source stuff mm-hmm. it's like it's not like that it's not like business driven like thing like i i i don't really know like that's just like what came to my mind first okay uh let's try to put that into a like a, you know a paragraph um you guys live in a, a relatively harsher climate where the the people you guys depend on each other to like survive right like there's a it actually disgusts me about american culture especially city culture like it's not like a wholly american or anything anywhere thing but like if you live right next to someone like i live in a duplex my house is like built and it's like two houses in one kind of thing my next door neighbors like who live one wall away from me right i don't know them all that well but at least i'm familiar with them like enough that like if you know the power went out, I would be like, Hey man, do you guys have like something, you know, I leaned over my fence and I'm like, Hey man, I, I, I made these peppers in my garden. Do you want one? Like I'm, sh- I'm sharing, you know? And if shit hit the fan, like what happened in Texas this past year with like the, you know, like they got just destroyed by the winter, which they, you know, barely ever really get snow or whatever. You want to be able to depend on the person next to you to like take care of it. And I know you said you're kind of like an antisocial person, but like there's a culture surrounding people who live in harsh climates where it's like um I can I expect a sort of social interaction to take place that we are not going to die because we're so afraid to speak to each other. And if you live in New York City in an apartment complex or you know, really anywhere. Like I, I know people on my street who feel, you know, who are this way, people who are in my neighborhood, not just my street who are this way. Like they don't know their neighbor's fucking first name. You know, they're like, I don't know who the fuck that person is. And I don't ever interact with them ever. And, and it's weird. Like that's why would you live that way? Like the person who is the closest to you, the most obvious person that you could ask for help in a situation where it's dire, like something as simple as like a, my car broke down or for me, like my printer broke. I know that my neighbor is a sys admin, like a, a computer guy. And I'm like, can you fix my printer? And he's like, fuck yeah, I can fix your printer. And I'm like, what do you, what do you want for it? And he's just like, I don't know. Fucking get me back later. Like that kind of community interaction is very important. And I think it's a rural people thing, but I think it's also a, it's like a, when there's too many people in one space, it's just like money. When there's too much of something, it loses its value. Um, fin- Finnish people specifically, because you guys are right on the border of what was, you know, I'm not trying to trash Russia. There's lots of great people in Russia and lots of great quake people in Russia. To, to go even further but like when you have a, a looming threat whether that be nature or war or whatever you have a um, you have a common enemy 
and you know that you're going to have to depend on your fellow man at some point to help you out. And that creates less of a profit because uh, you, you mentioned America. We're like very profit driven. We're like very like what's the biggest, newest thing that's going to make us the most money or whatever. And and I, I totally see that. Like I'm, I'm not going to debate you because it's totally uh, an overarching truth about American culture. But we lose sight of that because we're looking out for ourselves in a monetary value. Does that make sense? Am I am I going on like a crazy, stupid tangent here? Or yeah, it it makes sense, and I okay. I think it's it's kind of same here because like we don't like really have any like harsh conditions here. Like we don't have earthquakes or like storms or like hurricanes and stuff like that. So like I kind of like I get what you're saying. Like like when you have like hurricanes and stuff, I think people tend to depend on each other more in those kinds of You mentioned situation. 9-11 earlier, right? Yeah. I mean, I was only six years old when 9-11 happened. But on that day in America, every American was, we're no longer like, I'm Italian, I'm you know Irish, I'm, I'm whatever. We were American. Like, we were all like, we just got attacked. Like, we, like America got attacked, not the world trade center or like not any particular group of people that really America got attacked and we were all on the same page for like a a little while. And it was like a different thing, you know, um, to bet like when, when Finland was attacked in world war two, you were all Finnish, you know, it's not like, you know, Swami or like what, you know, all the different tribes Finland got attacked and we need to defend ourselves. And we all have to come together to group together to be one thing or else we're not going to be able to successfully pull off the, you know, the mission at hand. Does that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like that was the thought that came to mind. Yeah. Well, the world war wasn't in my lifetime, so I can really relate with that. But one funny thing about the nine 11, not that the thing was funny, but like, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. And yeah, you're like, fine. like, I remember, like, I think it was the day after in school. Like, none of us had like any idea that it had happened, and then like, our teacher like came to the classroom and like checked if ever, everyone was here, and then like all of a sudden she was like, "All right, and now we will have a silent moment." Like she just put it like that, like nothing else. Like we will now have a short moment of silence. And then like everyone is kind of like, what the fuck? And then we had like, like a silent moment for like a couple minutes there and like still no explanation. And then like on the next recess, like people were like saying, yo, did you, did you see that video? Like it looked, it looked like it was out of a movie or something. And I was like, what video are you talking about? Like nobody explained it to me what had happened. Like I asked, asked it uh, from my parents when I got home and like they, they didn't answer either. And I went on like a couple weeks <coughs> without knowing what that, what that thing was. And like, it was, it was really weird. Like, 
I don't know. Like that's that's all I can remember from that. This is taking a weird tangent, but let's go on it while we have the chance. Like, I mean, I was like I said, I was six years old, and our teachers like rolled out TVs. You know, this is first grade in front of the whole class. Like, we need to know what's going on. And I remember my mom was very upset because, like, you know, this is like a horrible thing that's happening. She didn't necessarily want me exposed to it, but like the institutions, like we need to, you know, we need to let everybody know what's going on this is this is the first time america's a very young nation like we're kind of stupid and dumb and like we're like little toddlers bumbling around in our 200 years as a as a country and you know we'd never been attacked before on our own on our own land like that it's just was never we're far enough away where it was like most conflicts just didn't make it here unless it was between us which was the civil war but um and it was just like wild. It was like somebody hates us enough to just like come here and like attack us. Holy shit. Like we've had 20 years since then to like kind of ingest what that means and like think about the politics, but not that we want to get on politics, but like what, what made that happen? And it was just like bizarre. It was like, what did we do? what do we do that made someone like want to attack us? And the whole point I'm trying to get out here is it was like the one moment that I, in my lifetime that I can remember when we were all on the same page and, and that's so much a stronger, that is a much more pure and beautiful experience is even though it takes a terrorist attack to like make you get there than just a, every man for himself. Like I'm, I I want, I'm looking out for just me, you know, and fuck my neighbor. I don't care who he is or what he wants or whatever. Like I'm out for me. I'm looking for the best profitable venture. And what you were getting at about, about like the, the culture that you're kind of involved in here is like, you're not worried about like, is this going to make me a dime? Is this going to, you know, you're, you're probably going to survive no matter what, like you guys have um, healthcare, if I understand correctly, like that's like going to be there no matter what you all pay, you know, taxes in and you trust your government to like take care of you in such a way that you're not going to just like starve to death and die on the streets because you didn't act in your own best interest at all times. And, and that translates into the, you know, all the way down to the internet gaming community and that you're willing to invest your time in something that you don't see a profit in, but you do see like just your personal benefit in like, I I'm, I'm doing this because I care about it because of me. And, and even though that's a personal thing, it's like, but I'm part of a community like of, of people who also care about this and, and we're going to make something beautiful, not for profit, not for clout, not for like bragging rights, but just simply because like, we want to see something beautiful made together as a group and that's it am i even close yeah that makes a lot of sense (laughs) i hope so i don't know man i'm just rambling i'm like four beers four beers deep here when you when you said talked about your neighbors like i think one funny thing about finnish and like even swedish culture is that like we really don't like we don't enjoy talking with our neighbors that much. Like it's, it's not like we hate each other. It's just like, 
like if you come out of your apartment and then you see like your neighbor is just coming out of the door then like a typical finnish reaction is to like close the door and wait for the neighbor to go first and like but let's say shit hit the fan right like zombies attacked you know or aliens attacked could you go to that neighbor that you would usually avoid and be like yo man i got a gun do you got ammo like can we cooperate here <laughs> to get rid of these this existing problem i mean it's kind of it's hard to imagine but i think it would be kind of similar like if i'm making a quake episode and then i'm asking somebody like hey do you, do you know any quake c programming like i need some help like it might well, be something like that if you were in mortal danger, right? Like you're about to die. Like everyone you know is about to die. Uh, let's just go crazy here. Let's say you need firewood. Like you, you're the power grid's down. You have to keep warm. Would everybody pitch in to like cut the trees down to make the wood happen? Or would you just be all on your own? Well, Finland is like 90% forest. So I think we could all manage there, but like, hold on. I had a thought before, like, yeah, we were talking about zombies and like, hold on. What was it? Aliens. Aliens. No, hold on. I lo- what was it? Uh, Jesus. Hold on. Give me, give me a minute. Jesus Christ! This is a this is a three letter question that turned into a whole conversation. Yeah, I'm so happy. I'm proud of this. <laughs> damn it! I just had some like, God damn it! Why do I always forget? <laughs> well, uh, maybe I'll come to it if I remember. Like, all right, well, I'm going to keep moving, and if you think of it, you just interrupt me, and we'll keep yeah. going. So the the question initially was like, if you were to put together a group of of people that you wanted to like make it your own jam with, who would those people be? Like that could be like you know five or ten people. Like they don't have to be Finnish, they don't have to be Scandinavian, they don't have to be European. Just like worldwide best Quake mappers in the world that you would want to work with. Who would they be to make your dream project in that in that limitation? Well. I would probably try to do as much as I can myself. Mm-hmm. But we're uh, going to get into that. Too. That's another question. Yeah. But, what you would uh, do by yourself. Yeah. But I think I would mostly need help with any kind of like, if I want to do any like modding or stuff like that, because like I can't do any like programming related stuff, but like, I don't have anyone specific in mind for that. But as for mappers, I would, I would definitely like to work with Maso, because I like his style and like, like I think we both kind of like to do maps that are kind of, kind of un, unfair and or like, not like unfair unfair, but like, I think we just resonate with our map styles a bit. I think, so I I think we could come up with something good together. Hmm. Mm. but like like I think 
in theory, it would be nice to try make something with like everyone, basically. Uh, like, like all the like regular mappers, like, like I wouldn't be opposed to that, but like, yeah, I I don't know. Okay, so you and Muscle just just two time in it, making like the best Quake jam ever. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, what I'm getting. I, 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 okay. I could I could see that happen. Okay, that's fair. As long as he is down for it. All right, so. Fuck you, new house. Fuck you, Ziggy. Fuck all you. <laughs> I'm kidding, but uh, like, yeah, that, you know, that's what you like. Dig that you know, you think that you and Muscle could make the the, the jam to end all jams. I want to play. I I could definitely do something with new house as well. Like, yeah. like I think we 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 have these long conversations about different ideas. So like, I think we could yeah. cook up something nice with him as well. Okay. Next next question would be like, do you have any? And I feel like we kind of nuked this in the first part of the the questioning here. But do you have any interest at all in making a commercial game? Uh, well, with I'm your act- mapping skills, I'm actually working on a game with. Am my- I? Sorry. Yeah, uh, you finish. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually working on a game with my buddy. AODQ and like it's basically a side scroll mm-hmm. Metroidvania Quake Unreal Soldat mix like basically everything I liked about games in one pack and like yeah I don't I don't know when it's gonna finish or if it's gonna finish but like that's that's been my passion project for like ever since like 2009 and I've been like sometimes I focus on the art and sometimes I focus on music and like it's it's not been very a very linear progress but yeah do you do you have a playable build of that that I can like have uh, not not well we have sort of like a we it's it's like a kind of like an editor thing where okay. you can edit physics and like different values for like your weapon balance and stuff like that but like it's not a actual game yet okay well i'll be here when you're ready sure. to share that <laughs> what are the most exciting to you at least projects that have come out of the quake mapping community and i have my own list of like what they are but like i'm curious like before i name any of them what are what's like important to you well i like dwell obviously and then like i think the um well arcane dimensions is an obvious one too and i think copper was a really like like I wasn't expecting that at all. Like I, it, it sounded kind of lame at first. Like it's just vanilla with a couple like things in addition. But like it turned out to be this like like there's even though there isn't much, there's still so much like different things you can now do with like the kind of like a vanilla plus 
kind of gameplay. It's kind of what we talked about earlier in that um, if you just boil things down to like, here's the parameters. What can we do? Like, how can we engineer our way to like a goal based on like these limitations? And that's what I've seen out of copper. Like it's been so, I mean, I don't really fully understand exactly what copper is, but like, I, I get the gist of it that it's like, you know, as you said, vanilla plus and i've seen what people can do with it and i think that you know having the quality of life updates that it provides plus the uh the limitations that it like you know here's the boundary you know it's like if you were playing a i don't know soccer or or football i don't know what the fuck you guys call it there but here's the field you know, it's, it's this big, you know, this wide, this long, do what, do whatever you want within it. And then you make the most beautiful thing that you can within that limitation. That's, I think that's where gold happens. That's where like, or in this case, copper, not gold, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's, you, you give someone a limit and you tell them to just like go fucking nuts within it and they always deliver. Yeah, like uh like Smetch one and two, I don't think they would exist the way they yeah. are if it weren't for copper. And you said before that we programmed like saves for co-op and co-op like those checkpoints. That's that was a like that's totally a copper thing. Like we didn't do that. Like we can't take really take credit for that, and like, uh, like there. Damn it! Um, I'm, <laughs> my mind is cutting again. Uh, yeah, and there's like all these subtle changes, like the way the super nail gun works, and how like wars aren't as dangerous anymore and like how the like the fiends or how how you pronounce that like they they can actually like jump towards you when you're like stepping on a plane above them like all those different changes kind of like like yeah they they inform the kind of direction that you'll go yeah. like but based on those parameters like okay which i think are objective like everything you just named are objective improvements to what would be base quake um but they they give you a, a you know a box to work within again like, you know, like all right here's the rules what can i do within that parameter of rule set and and i agree like it, that's what makes a lot of what you guys have turned out Special, simple things, simple, simple, little stupid things like uh, safe states or like, uh, you know, uh, crossing a certain boundary and then like, okay, when when we die, we're going to restart here. Like it's huge. It seems so simple. It seems so trivial, but it's like, it makes a huge difference for the player in, in terms of their enjoyment. And that's, that's big. Um, I was kind of thinking before, like the things that make copper special, but the problem is like, I'm so used to it by now 
that I, yeah. I can't even remember like which was like a copper specific thing. Yeah. But like, but like, yeah, it's it's a really fun mode to work with. Like, yeah. all right. Well, I'm gonna expose my American capitalist sensibility here and uh, name the stuff that I had veiled before. But like the most in- incredibly cool things that have come out of the Quake community for me, um, Wrath. Graven, like these are huge, you know, commercial games by the standard of the Quake community in general. But like, definitely found their origins there. Uh, both of those are three uh, D realms games. Wrath being kill pixels, like you know, like yeah, I'm gonna dip my toe into the Quake community, and then like you know, gets gets picked up by a major publisher and a lot of really cool people who I really want to say their names, but I don't know how much they want it publicized. So I won't are working on the, you know, mapping and level design and everything for wrath, like really, really cool people. And then, uh, Graven, I feel a lot more comfortable about seeing you know, Chris Holden, Scarecrow, like prolific, absolutely like legends of the quake community and Doom community in in Scarecrow's, you know, case. Uh, what they're doing is not... Like, Graven is so special, and it's not the only project like this. I'll, I'll probably get into another one like that as the conversation goes on, but they're not just making Quake maps in Trench Room. They're, like, mapping out everything in Trench Room and then converting it to Unreal to make it look a lot more, you know, polished and clean and, like, you know something that the modern gamer would like totally be into, but what a fucking endeavor that is compared to kind of what we're dealing with in like, you know, just vanilla or copper quake map jams. Um, yeah. Out- taking outstanding. It to a whole new level. Yeah. And, and what I find so fascinating about this is that like people, people like yourself, who are just, you know, like your you know, JCR, like Dump Truck, these kind of guys, Quake Mappers, find themselves working on these games that are going to probably make hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, you know let's shoot high and say a million dollars or whatever. Uh, simply because they are just so familiar with how to, you know, to make a map for this particular type of thing. And they end up working in something like that that is just like huge. And and I'm not saying they're there for the money, but like there to make a great game. And if you have the money to back up making a great game like that, to like take it to the next level, if you have the, I don't know, financial incentive to do it, even if it's not about making the money, it's about like we have the, the means to make something that is truly different and like take it, faster than you would have arrived at otherwise to something really cool. And I think that's what Graven will end up being. I, I love the demo and I thought it was like totally crazy to hear that like a lot of the people that I have admired only in the Quake community were having a chance to show off their chops to the uh, to a much larger audience. That's what's so cool about it. Yeah, isn't, then, isn't uh, Graven the game where you that you had like you could like break basically everything like or or am I thinking of something else? I don't know about breaking basically everything. 
Uh, Graven is uh, essentially a. I mean, it it kind of plays like a like a character driven RPG. Uh, I wouldn't describe it as like a you know D and D where you make your own character and see how they play out. But you, you know, your play is the priest, and uh, it's I would I would compare it more to The Witcher than I would to like you know Elder Scrolls or something like that. If that makes sense. Yeah. But you know you're playing as the priest that's who you are that's your character and the you interact with the you know, shopkeepers and merchants and all that kind of crap similar it has elements of an rpg to it but overall this is a uh, an rpg influenced first person quake game and uh if you want to keep going down this rabbit hole, uh, Doombringer, another game that comes, it's a hybrid Quake and Doom community because uh, we can't ignore Christus, Christus's clout in the Doom community. He's like a legendary Doom mapper, but that game is built in uh, in dark places, similar to what you have in Zenotic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Doombringer. And uh, uh, also, also listened to your podcast where you talked about Jalapeno vodka and stuff like that. That was a shit show. <laughs> this, no, that was we start- that, that was good episode. Oh, I, I'm I'm proud of the episode. It's just like I got feedback like, dude, we tuned in to hear about Doomringer, and the first thirty minutes are just like you in in Chris is talking about vodka and whiskey, <laughs> like, uh, and you, I'm like, you know, you know what, fuck him. If you want to talk about vodka, then just talk about it. I I agree with you, but like I do like I do respect the fact that some people really are tuning in. To the, they want to hear about the game. Um, oh yeah. In your case, it's a lot easier because like they're not tuning in to hear about your game necessarily. They're tuning in if, if people are tuning in, they're either here because they love in the keep and they listen to every episode or because smile Scythe is their hero. And they want to hear about smile Scythe. or maybe and, they just want to hear me fumble talking normally. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever way it goes. And, and I generally operate, sorry, I'm leaning down. I generally operate on the assumption that like, you know, you're here to talk about the person who's being interviewed in like whatever. But like in this particular case, I got one very, well thought out comment from someone who I do respect. It wasn't like just some random person. It was like someone who is a constituent fan of in the keep. And they said like, uh, Moleke, fuck you. Okay. Um, that's who I'm talking about. It was Moleke Trotterow. He's awesome. I love him. I respect him. However, he did have a good point. <laughs> I tuned in to hear about Doombringer, and I sat through 30 minutes of hearing about shit I don't care about before I ever got to Doombringer. <laughs> and, you know, it's all good, whatever. But, like, I, I get where he's coming from. Regardless, like, what we're talking about, the whole point of this is, like, Doombringer, very exciting game coming out of the Doom engine. Uh, I personally have... I didn't sign an NDA, so Chris just sucked my dick. I'm going to talk about it. I I really like the single player campaign. I really also like the multiplayer stuff, and I hope that that takes off. But like, 
just a single single player campaign alone is like enough that I think it's stupid actually to put your money into multiplayer as far as like an investment. Again, going back to my American capitalist roots, but like you're trying to sell a game on Steam. Uh, you're not going to make a lot of money off of a new multiplayer, you know, arena FPS. There's no financial incentive to make it an arena FPS. Yeah, I think no one you gives can a get, fuck about you that. You can get more out of single player for sure. Mm-hmm. Like you can even get multiplayer out of that if it like, even if you balance your game around single player, kind of like Quake One, you can still come up with like a accidental very entertaining multiplayer version of that like even if it was intended for multiplayer that's what quake world is right like it's taking it's 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 kind of like a improve kind of like optimized for multiplayer it's like like a mod the the doombringer multiplayer in fact actually does make adjustments and tweaks for the multiplayer. It's not like exactly the same. Whereas Quake, NetQuake really, not Quake, because Quake World made a lot of improvements and everything. Like Though it mm. is still super, un, you know, by modern standards, unbalanced. It It is specifically tailored to, like, the multiplayer port or version of Doombringer is different than the single player. However, I think that selling the game as a single player game and then also having this multiplayer thing on top of it is a pretty good idea because you'll, you know, you'll have a lot of people who like buy the single player, but they, you know, because they bought it, they have the multiplayer now that will end up playing the multiplayer because like, yeah, it's a thing I can do. Uh, I'm a big fan of games just being what they are. Like if you just want to make a single player game, make a fucking single player game. Don't worry about like triple a studios, like, Call of Duty, it's like obligatory. Not always, but like, you know, we're gonna we have a multiplayer game that we're trying to market, but we're making a single player campaign that's like lackluster for the specific purpose of like it's we should we should do that. And I'm like, well, you know, if you just like omitted the part that no one gives a shit about, which is the single player campaign, you could probably charge not sixty dollars for it, and then have a lot more people play it but like you know whatever it's i'm, I'm not in that position doombringer i feel like um the single player is great and the multiplayer is great and for the nominal price that they're probably going to sell it for good choice that's all i really had to say and it came out of the quake community it, and, and that's a beautiful thing and uh what do you what do you are you familiar at all have you been following sprawl with a uh, revel I believe he was also a constituent of the Quake Mapping Discord. Uh, sorry, who? S- uh, Revel. Uh, Sprawl is his game. Uh, yeah, so I don't know that one. Okay. Um, do you want to hear about it or do you want me to just skip over it? Uh, yeah, give me a brief explanation. <laughs> For the sake of the... Hold on. For the sake of the listener who may be interested... Um. So out of the Quake Mapping Discord specifically, our guy here um, who I've recently become acquainted with, Revel, 
is making a game called Sprawl. And he started out just doing this in Quake. And Sprawl itself has become an Unreal Engine game. But it's like very similar to the path that uh, Chris Holden went with Graven. Let's map everything out in Trench Broom. You know, tip, you know, traditional Quake style, blah, 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 whatever. And then port it over to Unreal and then texture everything and make it look absolutely gorgeous, whatever. So the fundamentals are Quake, but it's an Unreal Engine game. Um, Sprawl is very much, from what I can tell from the videos and shit that I've seen, it is like, uh, do, do you know Ghost Runner? Uh, yeah. 3D Realms game where you're like a samurai cyberpunk guy and you're like jumping off wall. You're like doing wall runs and you're just like slashing the enemies. And, and in, in Ghost Runner, the enemies are pretty much the dumbest AI you could possibly ever have. And, and on purpose, they're just obstacles that are part of the puzzle of completing the level. Um, sprawl takes a more traditional, like first person shooter route and that you, you have guns, you have, you know, you have a machine gun, shotgun, pistol, and you also still have the samurai sword. You're still doing the same kind of parkour shit, but you're attacking enemies that are interactive with you. And from what I can tell so far, like that, I think they'll improve this over time, but like the enemies are not like super great you know they're still quake engine enemies which means they like just beeline at you and and get stuck and all that nobody ever accused quake enemies of being like ridiculously smart as far as an you know from an ai perspective but uh point being they interact with you a little bit more than just like shooting at you from a distance and standing there while you hit them with a samurai sword yeah i think quake one pathfinding stuff i think that actually works pretty well like mm. in the long run, like it, it, it's not smart, but it does does its job. It it works if you design the level to associate, you know, accommodate that, right? Yeah, and that's what you guys do. Like you guys are Quake mappers. You're making a map for Quake. You know, understand the enemies in Quake, and you're doing it in a way that makes sense for that. Um, but what we're seeing more and more is people that are like a bit more ambitious and in this case, you know, trying to like charge money for it and everything and make it more palatable to a modern audience. They're designing levels that are, you know, still good, but like not quake levels, right? They're new, a do a new different kind of game level that relies on the quake engine to accomplish the goals that they're trying to, you know, make. Uh, to, to, to manifest and so you end up I'm sure Graven has its own fucking challenges too in, in that regard but in, in the particular case of Sprawl the, the maps are more complicated than the AI currently permits itself to accommodate and they'll have to engineer their way out of that if they even you know choose to do so and I'm sure they will based on what like the interactions I've had with Revel and just kind of like picking his brain on like, what is your goal for this game? And uh, I don't know, maybe the unreal part of it will come in, you know, come into play. They'll use part of that to make the enemies a bit more smart, but it's just like a super cool game. And, and he was, uh, he was actually on 
Dump Trucks podcast pretty recently, Quakecast, and talked a lot about that, like how he wants to use the Quake engine as a stepping stone to kind of get to the point of like making the game that he wants to make. And I think that's great. I think that's really cool. Just like a matter of like what what is he actually going to end up accomplishing with it? I don't know. Yeah, I think. But I didn't mean to go on a whole tangent that like didn't really involve something that you were already thinking about. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it, what's like most problematic with Quake AI is the flying monsters, because like yeah. they can't really like. They can't really follow you vertically. Yeah. And like, if especially on my map, the jump January map, if you go one of the puzzle rooms, the monsters can actually clip through the walls and like travel through the void over to the puzzle rooms. And like, I, I really don't like. There isn't re- any like smart workaround for that. Like you could, you could maybe put like huge teleporter triggers like next to the next to the wall that's like in between the main area and the puzzle rooms, which would then like teleport them back to the other side of the map or something like that. But yeah, it it would be nice if there was some. AI improvements for that. Like maybe maybe they would just not follow you if you went out of sight, for example. Like that would be nice in some situations. Well they had the the initial issue in, in Wrath, which they I think they've since kind of like done a lot to correct, where you know, you had these enemies that are essentially, you know, cacodemons. <laughs> Giant monsters that would and they would very quake like just beeline straight at you. And, but all you have to do is like back up through a doorway or whatever. And then they can't touch you. They're just like, I'm going to stand in this doorway until you come back out. And that makes the enemy look super fucking dumb. Like it's like, it's not very immersive. It's, it just feels like the enemy doesn't know how to adapt to the situation. That's a result of the quake code. Uh, just how, how that enemy works. And then, over time they kind of figured their way out of it. They're like, okay, well let's just make them like do something different. You have to like no quake C or, or whatever in their case. I, I'm not a programmer, but to overcome that task. And I'm thinking sprawl can do the same thing. I haven't seen it. Like Doombringer is much more straightforward. Like it just kind of like plays on the tropes that we already know and works within its parameters. But like when you get really ambitious, like something like wrath or like, sprawl or especially like graven which is like far more advanced than any of this other stuff we're talking about uh you're gonna you're gonna have to make some tweaks and changes to accomplish what you're trying to do within the uh parameters of the engine you're working within um but you know like who gives a shit we'll figure out how all that stuff ends up these are all either early access or like not yet released games that eventually whole point of that conversation was just to say like, these are what I'm excited about because they came from the quake community. Um, I guess the last big topic that I wanted to like, cover with you is music. And, uh, you know, we're, we're two hours and almost 40 minutes in. So just, you know, take as long as you want, but like, 
what is what is the music to you? Like you're you're a musician. You've the original reason why I took any interest in you at all was because like you were posting music in in, in the keep for some fucking reason, and Just it spamming. kicked ass. <laughs> But uh, who was the who, the band that you quoted earlier that you were like you know really into that your mom couldn't know about? Turmion Kätilöt. Okay, send send me a link. I can't spell that. But <laughs> um, you you mentioned that like industrial. You you kind of make like this really cool industrial music that's like I can I can tell that it's like an atmospheric influence from like the Quake soundtrack and that you know I don't know how much you like Nine Inch Nails or whatever, but like. I can feel the that part of it, but like, where does your your musical influence come from? Like, when's the, what's the first instrument you picked up? What, how did you get to be a person who likes to make music? Well, my first instrument instrument was just my laptop and some digital software. Uh, like, I I have like I had like zero knowledge of any music theory or stuff like that. And basically, I started with a music genre called Gabber, which is like, it's basically, oh, nice. This is a guitar. It is a musical instrument. Holy shit. You play it with your fingers. Holy yeah. shit. I, I, got, I got some of some myself, too. I can get to it later. <laughs> um. But yeah, I started with Gabber, which yeah. is like dance music. But the gimmick is that the kicks are like very distorted and bassy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's very simple, simple music, and like I, I I don't know if if this applies to every Gabber artist, but as you as you gain more skill as a producer. I think you kind of steer away from that genre because it's so it's kind of simple and limited, and like that's I think that's why you don't really have very very interesting sounding gapper music. Like it's kind of all the all the same sort of like yeah. not not to shit on any gapper artist, but like me personally, I kind of I got into the idea of mixing. Because of my influence from Turmion Catilet, I kind of wanted to try and mix Gabber with metal. So it's like industrial Gabber metal, something like that. And then, like, <laughs> as that went on, I, I started to like the metal part more. And then it started, then it steered more towards the industrial metal stuff. And then it's basically what I'm doing nowadays. And like, I haven't played guitar myself for very long. Like it's only been two years, but my playing still sounds like I've only played for like a month. <laughs> well, yeah, like, yeah. I've been playing guitar since I was 11 years old. And I mean, I think this applies to any anything, not just music or any particular instrument or like art form in general. But like, there's always something new to learn. Like, I'll, I'll never be a master at it. 
and that's what makes it worth doing is that you'll you'll never fully understand what it, what it is you're doing there's always going to be some guy who changes the paradigm um you know like i i remember hearing about uh the first time that pete townsend like literally was at a bar in england heard Jimi hendrix playing called eric clapton on the phone and said like this guy is going to put us out of business like he just he did something just now that makes us all look like idiots and it i was talking about this uh, the same thing with like computer stuff and just computer coding in general or like a whatever you can go to college for 8 years get a doctorate in computer science and there's going to be some 17 year old kid who shows up on you know on the computer scene who's like discovered this new thing that just like makes everything that you've spent all your life studying feel worthless and it's because think, they're riding on what's already out there of like, course like, like of that's course. that's the thing like yeah but it's just like um with 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 mapping with quake mapping even like you could spend your whole life quake mapping. You could be like dump truck. You know, you could spend your whole life quake mapping. There's going to be some guy like Smilesite that just shows up and just changes the paradigm. Well, it's the and same thing. I'm just riding with like with his yeah. experience. Like I'm just taking and like like skipping all the work he did, basically. Well, you know, in his perspective, and like I hope I'm not like speaking for him in such a way that like would defame him in any way, and I don't think he would disagree. Just like. I think he wants his work to be out there so that for, for the specific reason that people like you find it and do great things with it, you know, that he yeah, wasn't yeah, for sure, able but to I'm do just, himself. I'm just like, it, to me, it makes sense why somebody like who's like 17, like can suddenly like do what somebody who's been working on it all, all their life. Like that's like, I was just trying to make sense of that. Yeah. Or, or like a new tool pops up, you know, like if you spent all these years, like just mapping and then someone makes a new mod that just changes how mapping works, like copper or like, you know, arcane dimensions is probably the best example in, in terms of quake and doom, you know, like going from, you know, I don't know ultimate doom builder or whatever. And then like you end up in, you know, something like trench broom, uh, whatever, whatever the case may be, it can just totally change the process of how you get there. And as you said, building on the foundation of, you know, it, standing on the shoulders of giants, obviously, you know, we, none of us would be here if, if Carmack hadn't made the quake engine in the first place. And then none of us would be here if he hadn't released it to the public and then had people build, build and build and build and build on it for, you know, 20 years to create what we have now. And I say us, like not me, but I wouldn't be able to build a career on talking to people that do this kind of thing without, without you guys creating things. That's totally part of it. But anyway, back to music. <laughs> so you were, you were experimenting with the, making that the 
Gabar is it, am, I, Gab- am I even saying what Gabber G A Gabber G A B B E R. Yeah, you're you're creating a more metal version of Gabber. Like, okay, so is that still your your kind of genre? I'm gonna play your music in this podcast, like during the credits anyway. But like, is that still what you're experimenting with, or like, does it go deeper than that? Like, what what's your what's your next route? Well, the thing that Gabber and Industrial have in common is the 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 like so like all those like harsh noises, like distorted kicks, and like very like screechy lead synths, and like yeah, that's usually common in industrial, and like. For example, the track that you like, I spammed in your Discord server, that the one you found, that that one sort of has like Gabber-like kicks. Uh, like this I, is a gas gas list. Yes. Yeah, we put that one on the podcast a long time ago, I think. I don't yeah. remember what episode. Definitely. Yeah. So that kind of lens from Gabber. And like, I really like the like the thing with Gabber is that it's usually very, very like monotone or like like very stable beat. Like it's just doom 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 doom. But mm-hmm. like, I I like to spice it more. Like do more like a industrial beat. Uh, like it kind of turns into industrial automatically when you get out of that. Like simple pattern like it's 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 kind of funny how that works it's weird i mean like that's kind of the whole theme of what we've been talking about it's not just music it's not just mapping it's it's no particular route but like an artistic pursuit does in fact always stand on the predecessors that come before it and I mean, what would Smile Scythe be without all of the people who helped to create the things that you've been a part of, right? Like, so Smay or January Jump Jam, like, who would you be without JCR? Who would you be without New House and, and all these people? Yeah, who would I, Ziggy I, be without any of you because he'd never made him out before? Yeah, I would <laughs> just be some guy from Finland who really sucks at talking. Um, whatever, man, it's beautiful. I get. I guess the the way I want to close this is just to say, like, you're awesome. I'm a huge fan of yours, and um, I genuinely hope to see you in the Zenotic tournaments, even if that's not this weekend. But like, it's gonna keep happening. Like Zen Sports is pretty. De- like I know Kanye from Zen Sports is particularly very interested in like keeping that money going towards Zenotic because it's like, for whatever reason, that's his favorite game. So. Yeah, I, I do want to be part of it because I, I heard one friend of mine who I know in real life also apparently joins the tournament. So it would be really cool if I get there, but no promises yet. So. Well, dude, you're, you're fucking awesome. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. I love what you do. I hope that you continue to do awesome, really cool, 
great things. I hope that one day I can pay for one of them. You know, like uh, <laughs> I know that's not your goal, and we discussed this pretty at length. But like, I think you should uh, you should sell something. And I mean, what do you, what do you do for like a living? Like, what what do you actually make your money at? If you don't mind saying. Oh, well, that that gets to the personal side. I don't really want to talk about that. Porn, obviously. Um, no, I'm kidding. No, it, it's cool. I, uh, I'm interested to see like if you if you don't spend your time doing something. And I'm saying this applies to you. There's just like an overarching thing. If people don't spend their time doing things they don't want to do, and they spend all their time doing something they they, they really feel passionate about, what could they accomplish? You know, if you spent the 40 hours a week that you spend on your day job, this applies to me. Like I'm speaking personally. If I spent the time that I spend on my day job working on in the keep, I know that it would be way, way better. And, And the only way to accomplish that from a capitalistic point of view is to say like, I replace my income with that, you know, and I am, I personally would be really excited to see what I could do with that barrier removed. And the, I guess the same applies to you. Like for my, like my hope for what, like what I would see you do would be epic. I would really love to see what you did if you had all the time in the world to pursue your dreams. Even, and I don't even know, like, Maybe maybe your your current income is your personal dream. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Like, it it would be nice if I could make or like kind of turn my hobbies into the primary source of in my income. Like, yeah, that I think that would be really nice. But, you know, uh, you know, Amorpher, right? Like he's part yeah. of your guys' group. Amorpher is literally a scientist. Yep. Like he's a he's a biophysicist. And yeah, how crazy! I have that? a, I have a hard time being like a, you know, Amorpher. If you weren't doing that, what great things you could you like? Because nothing in the Quake community could possibly overshadow what a morpher does in his day job, right? Like he's literally like curing COVID and you know, whatever. And, and I can't say the same thing to him, you know? Mm. Um, I can say that to me. Like, I, I feel like my time would be better spent doing this stuff, but I can't say that to a morpher. He's one of the few people who I'm like, no, what you do in real life is way more important. <laughs> and, and, and there, there are some people who are like just like satisfied. Like Uncle Had is a good example. He's like he loves what he does to some extent. Like he he wants to have that like nine to five. I, I put my time in here. This I'll make my money, and then my pursuits creatively are separate from that. And uh, I mean, I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. I'm just like I just know that like uh, I don't know who said this, but there's like the famous quote was like the majority of men spend their time in like in quiet um, despair. Like I don't want 
a world where people spend most of their time doing things that they wish they weren't doing, you know? Yeah. And I think, so obviously, I think everyone kind of works towards not working. Yeah. Not even not working, but just like working on what you want or working on what you think is great. Like what's, what's a, you know, everybody wants to be doing their, their passion. Yeah. But like, not, not work just for the sake of like working, like, Paying the bills. You, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Not every, not everybody can accomplish that. I respect that. Like so, the trash has got to be taken out. The fucking, you know, plumbing's got to be done, whatever it is. And, and I salute all the people who do those things that I don't personally want to do, but just like, if you're calling and not everybody's calling is there's a lot of quake mappers who are terrible and should not be quake mapping probably. And, and they, sh- they should continue to do it and find out whether or not it's, it's, it's their thing. But for you, it's your thing. Like that's what you should be doing. You should be making maps for video games because you're great at it. And the more time that I could see you doing that, I think the better, like you would be, you would be so great at it. That it would be, if you were to make money at doing it, you would make more money than you personally need probably. And you could create an, a, an economy around what you do that would employ other people and allow them to do what they want to be doing, which is marketing you or helping you or whatever that happens to be. I, I think that your talent is so great that it could be a net benefit to other people outside of yourself. And that's the dividing line. It's like if you're a Formula One driver or something like that, you know, you're not just the uh, some jackass who's driving a car. You're like helping, you're keeping other people employed and doing what they want to be doing by doing what you're doing. That's where I see you. I That's like, how I think of you. I like that hypothetical version of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. It's I'm not saying it's like an absolute truth, but like I. I'm in the business of talking to people who I think are very, very talented and that's a real potential, not like real in reality right now, but like that's a potential, you know, if uh Capelli who I had on re- recently, another fellow fan of yours, like if he really pursued and did what he wants to do, it's not just going to benefit him. It's going to benefit a lot of other people. That's what industry is, right? Like it's not yeah. just, you it's helping other people also accomplish their goals by doing what you want in the keep. I I take a lot of pride in this. It's not me. It's not just like me being a jackass and drinking beer and, you know, talking to people like you. It's the fact that because I do this, I've built a brand that will allow Gelmosan and uncle had and people like that to also make a living doing peripheral things to this that I don't know how to phrase that. That's the like one beauty of capitalism is like the hopeful idea that other people benefit off of what you do. And if you're like not coming at it from that perspective, you're probably in a selfish piece of piece of fucking crap. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, I think you could have maybe a little bit more self-esteem and like, take a little bit more pride in what you're doing. And like, I think, I think you have something really good 
going on here? Like, you should. I'll you, sleep you well at night. You shouldn't downplay it like that. Like, like it's 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 a legit entertaining show, and like especially the streams. Like, you have a good thing going on here. I mean, I'm gonna do it regardless because I love doing it. But if it's not helping people, you know, what's it worth? And uh, I can, I mean, I'll, I'll walk away from this saying, like, you know, maybe, maybe some people hear what you had to say and gravitate towards what you wanted, and then like that will result in you doing what you want to do. And, and that that's always been the goal here is like, I, I am not out. Uh, okay. Actually, that's a lie. I'm out for myself. Like I want this to be what I do all the time because I love, this is above all other things. I love talking to people like, like you. And, and if I could make my living doing this, that would be fantastic. And I would love that. But like, that's not my sole goal. I, I set out to do this because I want to, create an environment where people hear people like you and they hear your message and they hear what you're about and they, they become interested in what you do to the point that it helps you. And if, if I'm not accomplishing that goal, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here other than just like drinking beer and, <laughs> and having a good time for myself. So like if there's not a net benefit that goes beyond me, what's it like, what's it really worth and i struggle with that like that's the kind of thing that like keeps me up at night like is is the thing that i'm doing and spending all of my time doing outside of my real job is it worth something is it like helping other people accomplish their goals that's what i want and i guess that's a good place to close it we're like three hours in man yeah that's i i want everything about in the keep to help people like you do what you do the best because you're, you're better than me. Nah, don't say you're, that. You're no, you're no, you're, you are better at your craft than I am at mine. I, I you know. are like, you're I my favorite know. quake mapper. I like You're not going to convince me well, otherwise. You're, you're like my, I'm a fan. You're my ne- new favorite podcaster. Fuck you. <laughs> that, that's dumb. Uh, no, okay, thank you. Really, I appreciate that. But you're awesome. And, and I love you, and I hope that you find a way to do what you do in a way that satisfies all of your needs and, and makes you and other people happy as a result. Cheers to that. Cheers. Thank you very much to Smile Scythe for finally being on the show. I've been begging him forever, and I'm looking forward to the next time we do it because that was so cool. Uh, thank you to the entire Quake Mapping Discord, uh, the whole Quake Mapping community at large, Dump Truck for you know bringing people together. Thank you to JCR for you know helping me get into the Quake Mapping stuff, and also for introducing me to so many fantastic mappers and my favorite Smile Scythe right here. Thank you to all of our wonderful, awesome, beautiful supporters. 
I gotta say thanks to Paul, Moose, Dot, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Anthony, Robert, Jack, Brandy, Fred, Lord Revan, Tones, I, Greg, Simon, Immorpher, Mike, Zan, Bridge, Ben, Donkey, Shannon, and the Flam Fam. You're all incredible. If you would like to be featured on that list and you're listening to this and you want to support the show, head over to inthekeep.com forward slash support and find a way. You can also head over to our merch store, grab yourself a t-shirt. All Patreon supporters get a free t-shirt that is not available for retail. I love you all. The Drowned God Cathala loves you all. And until next time, stay in the keep.